Welcome to the WTF Forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. Dear partners and friends of What the fuck? Form, a very cordial welcome. The WTF Forum is a decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated, ever-growing network of rogue, independent content creators. This forum does not, will not, and shall not have any one location, feed, platform, or channel, but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates. If any listener of the following proceedings finds themselves offended, they will be asked kindly to go fuck themselves. All right, welcome to the WTF Forum. It is July 2nd, 2023, and uh, there's plenty of shit going on. Apologize for that. Um, There's plenty of shit going on. Our services are still required. We've got a good bunch of motherfuckers here tonight, or should I say what the fuckers? Uh, Let's go around the circle and introduce ourselves. I will start. Uh, Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast, and I'll pass it to OG Dadbod. OG Dadbod uh, or OG Dadbod One, uh, the whole lot of nothing podcast. Ah, oh, hey, Stella Q here. Um, I'm part of the Union of the Unknowns podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, Drew missing from your missing the point podcast. Uh, happy to be on. Ando, Burn, Babylon, Burn, and the Doom Kitchen. We may have another. Uh, my friend Tom said he'd probably make it. He might just be a little bit late. Uh, we might we also have... have a Rob, right? Yeah, Rob hopefully will show up. We'll see. Uh, but we have two Aussies. Two Aussies at once. What time is it there? It's like 2 or 3 in the morning? Uh, no, it's, it's like 10, 10 o'clock. Oh, is that all? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's In the fine. morning. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're you're cruising. You're just waking up. Yeah. Aussie's in stereo. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking there. Um, but anywho, welcome to the show. Drew, we got a new one. Um, so how'd you hear about who who invited you? Are you a friend of Ando's or uh Ando invited yeah. me over? I was uh on his show recently and joined the hmm. Telegram group and it just so happens that I'm on my school winter break at the moment, so I've got some free time at my sleeve. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, like I said, we got all kinds of stuff to cover. Um, you know, one thing I thought would be kind of funny to start with, uh, <laughs> this just popped up on, on my feed, and I thought it was worth showing. It's not going to take us long to cover, but uh, give me just a second here. This is uh, how how trustworthy are the are the COVID um, tests, right? I, I think this, this kind of thing is not going to come as a surprise, but here we go. Really, you can use this to get paid time off of work. Yeah. Sunkist apparently makes every COVID test say positive. No way. Yeah. You just put the soda on the test and then wait 15 minutes and boom, positive. What? 
Then you take a picture and tell your boss, I can't come in. Okay, we got the sun kissed and three different tests. Yep. Because we're gonna make sure this works. <laughs> and then we gotta find out, because you know, if you need a day off, you need a day off. Looks like you need a day off without sunburn. Hurts. So dip it in here. Dip it in there. And then dip, I'm gonna put it right. Dip and drop it. Yeah. This is the Janavi. Okay, here we go. Put it in there. That's a lot. This one's a little bit different. Okay, what do I do with this one? I so, just put it. So you dip it inside in, of here, yeah, right? You put it in and twist it around. And spin it around. Boom. Yeah, here you go. 19 rapid self-kit test, Genabio. Sun kiss makes it turn positive. And then the Binax, the Binax now also makes it turn Boom. positive. The purple one's there. Yeah, yeah this one's like, uh, you got it. Yeah. yeah, let's throw these away. We're not drinking these. So apparently you can... All right, that's all. I, you know, I just saw that and I thought it was funny because uh, I never trusted them motherfucking tests. Not once. I don't know how y'all feel, but... Yeah, I'm, I, I'm afraid of that that swab. I'm not putting that mm-hmm. in my body at all. It, it could have whatever they were releasing on people because people did get something. I only ever took one test, and I regret doing that. At, you know, I did it basically just to see a girl that I wanted to see. But, um <laughs> What can you do? Uh, she wanted me to take a test before I came over, so I I did fly to Boston to see her. You know, it was a whole a whole thing. But even still, it's like, uh, yeah, it, that was the most invasive I allowed COVID to be in my life. That was the one test I took. Did she tell you before you booked your plane ticket that you had to do that? <laughs> More or less, yeah. Oh, love is so unkind. Love is unkind. Yeah. At least she didn't make you take an STD test. <laughs> well, yeah. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Like I said, it was just kind of a silly thing I saw. Apparently, sun kissed. If you need a day off of work, uh, you know, buy a sun kissed and a rapid test, and you're good to go. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think. Places would push the shot on you if you uh, if you tried this trick too many times. It'd be like, oh, you're the guy that never took that thing, so you know, no wonder you're getting it all the time. So, I would say that this is a, a bad idea as far as taking well, work I, off scam. I don't know any workplaces that actually care about COVID anymore, let alone ask people to do tests. Like mm. it's just a sickness. You don't even have to show a, a PCR or a rat test anymore. You just go, I've got COVID, and yeah, take your days off. Yeah, nobody yeah, gives a shit. You don't need proof now. That's right. And I've noticed Aldi is selling off those antigen test kits like really cheap. It's like boxes and boxes of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no so one's buying them. <laughs> yeah, it's almost ir- irrelevant at this point, honestly. Um, like I said, it just popped up. I hadn't seen the uh, the sun kiss thing. That was kind of novel, but... Uh, it, you know the whole like PCR test and shit. Like, why why should we have ever trusted any of it? You know, I I'm sure most of us didn't trust most of it for long. But uh, even the guy that invented the PCR test was like, this shit can be used to find anything anywhere. Um, it's not it's not a good tool for what you're trying to use it for. But they killed him off. I forget his name. Mm-hmm. Carrie Mullis. Yeah. 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 And the CDC themselves um, abandoned that 
uh, well, those particular PCR tests, when was it? End of 2021, I think it was, uh, very quietly. I'm not sure that they made a huge announcement about it. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, very obvious. And, yeah, Carrie Mullis, I uh, believe he died of, oh, it was a cancer, and it was August, I think, 2019. Mm. And, of course, Event 201 was October. Yeah, um, and, of course, Carrie Mullis was also exposing, you know, he'd spoken not very kindly about Fauci. Uh, he knew what, he knew exactly what was going on. Right. Uh, but, he, I mean, he didn't know anything about COVID, obviously, because it hadn't hit yet. So he was already talking about that stuff. I had to take two PCR tests in my time as a teacher because I was a close contact of a student, right? Mm. And my options were either take a PCR test. So I threw the offer back at them. Let me just take a rat test. And they go, no, a rat test isn't acceptable. And I said, well, what happens if I don't take a PCR test? It was, well, you'll have to be the first time around. It was, well, you'll have to go to hotel quarantine, even though I was already quarantining at home. And then it became um, you'll have to stay home for 14 days. And those extra seven days of quarantine will mean that you're actually um, voiding your work requirements and you'll, you'll get sacked. And again, never, nothing actually came out of those PCR tests. Like I've, I took the two, never had COVID, never had COVID once. And I've been surrounded by people that have supposedly had it. So well, Bird yeah. from Timeline Earth has gotten COVID four times. Do you think that he figured out the, uh, the sun kiss trick a, a while back and has been... <laughs> Just sitting in bathtubs and being like, ah, I got COVID. I mean, you know, maybe so. Just, yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of with um, Drew. Where I, as far as I know, I never had it. You know, at one point I took a, a antigen or a antibody test to see if I had had if I had had it at any point and uh, came up negative. And that was like two years in. I think the difference between having it and not having it is thinking that you have it. You know, like it's more or less psychosomatic, perhaps. I definitely really... had some. Sorry, Drew. Sorry, Stel, you keep going. Oh, it was good. Slight change. So you respond to Mike because I'm going to take that off a little bit. <laughs> that's all right. Um, it's the psychosomatic thing's one thing, but I think there's definitely something that's been released as a bioweapon so they can kind of cover their asses in the two regards. People get jabbed up or tested, and then everyone else will kind of catch it naturally because you see people who have either had the beat boop the turkey baster and they're sick as fuck all the time or you look at people who haven't had it and they're also getting sick as well and saying they've had covid naturally so i don't quite understand the full scope of it. i think it's more than one one thing that they're trying to push all at once i don't think it's just as simple as here's a death shot everyone take it oh, i totally agree with that 100 percent um, I've had something in the, the last, uh, well, January 2020, I was pretty sick with something and also November 2021. Um, so as an ex-smoker, I'm sort of probably, you know, susceptible in one way with lungy things. But, um, of course, these were the two times I chose. I'm just not going to a doctor. <laughs> I'm just not going. I'm going to get myself over this. And it was really hard, but um, it, I got myself over it and just, by using, you know, garlic and stuff, lots of things. I mean, I won't go into it all, but Stella, mm-hmm. Stella, smokers uh, and former smokers did the best during this whole thing. I heard that, which is yeah. really weird. Oh, yeah, I yeah. heard that too. It's so strange. I'd love to know why that is because there's so many chemicals in. I mean, tobacco. I guess it would depend on what sort of tobacco you're smoking as well, or what other things. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it's just a um, purely physical issue where. 
hot smoke killed the virus, so to speak. Perhaps. Yeah, could be. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I hung out with smokers, and I'm a smoker. Um, the whole time, none of us got sick. I mean, that's just purely anecdotal. But uh, we heard about plenty of other folks getting sick. None of us did, as far as I could tell. But hmm. I don't want to say one way or the other. That's kind of like hot water. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I almost think what we want to do here, we have a few like big topics and I wanted to kind of bounce through a couple smaller ones real quick first. And I'm not so sure that this is a small topic, but have you all heard about Schumann resonance? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious. I'm like very new to this topic. So I'm going to play this clip and I'm going to see what what thoughts you all might have. James Kaufman, World News Report today. Ladies and gentlemen, today is June 30th, 2023. We have our electromagnetic field getting hammered by something. Looks like spikes up to 600 hertz without any question. And some of these spikes look like they could go off the chart. Of course, that means our Schumann resonance is going off the chart. And that's exactly what we see. Let's take a look. Now, all the modeling data is lagging by about an hour or more, but we've seen almost four hours of Schumann resonance spikes off the charts. These charts ended 105 hertz. Very, very strong. Look at the geophones getting hit up here. Absolutely amazing, ladies and I'll say this was two and a half days ago. Roughly, I don't know, 50 hours ago, something like this. Can you explain this to me? I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So the Schumann resonance is the, the resonant frequency of the earth, so to speak. But it's, it's sort of how it's measured as it bounces off of what's called the, ion, the ionosphere. And the ionosphere is sort of like this bubble of ions like magnet or uh, electrically charged molecules that reflect these essentially um radio waves i guess um or sound waves it's very low tone like the the resonant frequency of earth is 7.83 hertz supposedly yep. and <laughs> i found this all interesting today as i was looking into it where um me and Rob, we talked about it on a previous WTF forum where if you take enough mushrooms, you hear this very low tone coming from the earth and it's undeniable. Um, and I almost think it's this, it's this resonant frequency. And what happens is we have like a very steady, um, you can measure this this frequency bouncing off the ionosphere but occasionally there are like bursts and typically it's indicative of an electrical storm so long story short apparently two days ago there was an extreme sort of peak in this sherman uh or schumann resonance does anybody that knows more than i do care to comment i definitely don't know more than you do because it's a very it's kind of a complicated thing and i, I haven't fully fully gone in 
fully, fully gone into it. Sorry, still driving this mic. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, gosh, I just had a revelation while you were talking then. In the depths of space. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I could look. I could go out and get my mother right now, and she would verify this. But um, gosh, for the last, I don't know, especially the last year, I guess, I have been plagued by this really low frequency, and I've never ever connected it to the Schumann residence. Um, I'm always complaining. I'm well, not complaining, but always saying, "Oh, Mum, can you hear that?" And she, "No, I can't hear it." <laughs> you know. And I've sort of come to the conclusion that it's probably something. I used to hear it in the last place I lived at too, in Sydney. And it was a similar situation where I wasn't that far from traffic and there was sort of rock shelves and clay earth and, and I just always put it down to the traffic noise coming through the earth or something. But maybe it was the Schumann resonance because it's like so low. And I'd like I'd be walking around trying to find this sound like there's something running somewhere. There's an air conditioner or somebody's got something on and I could never find it and but it was always sort of present. But then I'm I've, like I've got misophonia and tinnitus and all sorts of hearing issues, like really acute hearing. So, mm-hmm. but wow, that just hit me. Yeah. Well, so I only bring it up like this. This is a whole topic of its own. Um, but I bring it up because it fascinated me today. I think there might be something to this. I've been thinking for a while that there's sort of a common vibration, right? And I see it in like, the conversations that are happening around me, like people hitting on similar topics at similar times. Um, Obviously we have this like background narrative that's trying to make us talk about certain shit, but those of us that are a little more attuned are kind of on this lower, slower vibration from, from the common narrative. And I, I bring it up because I think it's an idea that is worthy of touching on, while not necessarily trying to solve. Um, I have here supposedly an AI explaining Schumann resonance, and it's fairly succinct. Um, But yeah, what is Schumann resonance and how is it affecting us? Explained by AI. And I think this is actually fairly useful. So here you go. Our planet Earth dances to its own celestial melody, a symphony of vibrations known as the Schumann Resonance. The Schumann Resonance, named after physicist Dr. Winfried Otto Schumann, is a natural phenomenon that emanates from Earth itself. It arises from the interaction between the planet's surface and the electrified layer of the atmosphere, known as the ionosphere. Imagine a vast orchestra, where the conductor is none other than our planet itself. Deep within the Earth, A continuous energy exchange takes place between the surface and the ionosphere, an electrified layer that envelops our world. This interplay generates electromagnetic waves, resonating at various frequencies. Among these frequencies, one stands out, the Schumann resonance. At approximately 7.83 Hz, this is the Earth's fundamental frequency, its most prominent note. Just like an instrument finding its pitch, the planet reverberates with this harmonious resonance. The Schumann resonance reaches far beyond scientific curiosity. It connects with us on a deeply profound level. Our brainwave patterns, particularly the alpha and theta waves, align with the Earth's rhythm. It's as if we are attuned to the very essence of our planet. When we are in harmony with this frequency, studies suggest that it can have a profound impact on our well-being. This harmonization with the Schumann resonance offers remarkable benefits. Researchers have found that exposure to this natural frequency can promote relaxation, reduce stress, and enhance mental clarity. 
It's like tapping into a wellspring of tranquility, finding solace amidst the chaos of modern life. The resonance's influence doesn't end there. It is believed to affect our overall well-being, helping to regulate our sleep patterns and fostering a sense of interconnectedness with nature. It is a gentle reminder that we are part of something greater, intricately woven into the fabric of the Earth's symphony. In our fast-paced, technology-driven world, we can sometimes lose touch with the Earth's natural rhythm. But the Schumann resonance beckons us to reconnect, to find our place in this cosmic harmony. By immersing ourselves in nature, embracing the elements, and embracing the Earth's energy, we can realign our frequencies and restore balance within ourselves. Many find solace and rejuvenation by immersing themselves in nature by listening to the sounds of the ocean, feeling the breeze, and embracing the Earth's energy. These moments help realign our frequencies with the Earth's own vibration. Scientists and researchers continue to explore the profound effects of the Schumann resonance on our health, sleep patterns, and overall well-being. The more we understand this natural phenomenon, the more we can harness its potential for our benefit. As we gaze upon the starlit sky, let us reflect on the wondrous symphony that envelops us. The Schumann resonance whispers to us, inviting us to listen, to attune our minds and souls to its gentle rhythm. In doing so, we may find harmony not only within ourselves but also with the remarkable planet we call home. So, dear friends, let us embrace the Earth's secret symphony, cherishing its ancient melodies and discovering the transformative power that lies within its resonant frequencies. For in this connection, we awaken to a deeper understanding of ourselves and our place in the grand tapestry of existence, the eternal song of the Schumann resonance. Thanks for watching. Subscribe for more. Okay. So I know this is some hippy dippy shit. The reason I bring it up, right, is because I think the point of the WTF forum is to tap into the common frequency of what fucking matters. And the fact that there was a little spike in the Schumann resonance two days ago, I tend to believe it, okay? Because it seems like to me for the last three years, it was chaos and noise and fuzz. And this is just me personally, but about two days ago, I kind of woke up for the first time and was just like calm. And I, I, I think there might've been a shift of sorts. Maybe I'm crazy, but this, this idea of sort of a background harmonic, a background vibration that you can either be connected to or disconnected from seems relevant to me. And the topics that I think we might cover going forward tonight seem to jive with that um, in that people who are forced to live in unnatural conditions outside of the common vibration tend to get fed up and fight back or, or they subjugate themselves. One of the two. Um, I don't know. I'm getting pretty deep, pretty quick, but anybody that wants to chime in, please. I've got a bit of speculation around what the Schumann resonance is. And like you said, it can be a bit hippy dippy, mm -hmm. um, new agey type of stuff. And if it is the natural frequency that what the earth vibrates at, I think any spikes in it, those are man-made and they're not intentional. A lot of people go down the route of when these spikes happen, it's an awakening of mankind. It's mankind moving towards a fourth dimension type of stuff. But if I'm going at it from a 
from what I would consider a scientific and Christian perspective, I'd say that every time that you see these massive spikes, it's the the elites of the world turning something on and trying to fuck with the frequency. Like, look at CERN. Every time a CERN lot of shit, a lot up, of shit's the, happening with CERN. Yeah, the eye, the ionosphere has had detectable changes in its its strength every time they fire it up. So, if you're going to go off like a what a, a, a modern Christian would perceive that as, I'd say my healthy speculation is every time they fire CERN up, they're trying to break through the firmament. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm actually with you on that. I I prefer to come from a slightly more science. I'm I, I'm pretty woo woo hippie ish, but at the same time, I like to come from something a bit more of a basis. You know, it's nice to marry the two because um, I think they're very aligned. Um, I, as far as I know, the uh, Schumann frequency is also well. I, I mean, it's to do with the ionosphere, but a lightning also has a lot to do with shifting frequencies within the Schumann resonance. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you because they are—they're doing a lot of fucking around in, in all sorts of different places of the world. I mean, there's weird earthquakes turning up in what Melbourne too, isn't there? Yeah, one True. in Rawson was just ten or fifteen minutes above me, which is a spot yeah, that right. has no fault lines. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's not the first one recently. I think CERN is is opening dimensions, and they started firing up CERN, and we entered Clown World. It's like they they brought all the elements in, and now you know, now we're calling vaginas bonus holes. That's you know, that's where we are in this Clown World reality we're in. True. Yeah. You know, I like I don't have an end game to bringing this up. I only I only found it interesting because it's something that I felt kind of instinctually that there is kind of this like, you know, river of energy, this certain frequency that we should try to stay close to. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, but this this was some kind of like new new language for me. Um, and I. I. I think we should maybe move to like France. <laughs> I know it's kind of a hard segue, but like essentially they're going through something very similar to what we were going through. Um, what in 2021 and yeah, I wonder if the same NGOs are involved. Right. I, I almost feel like it is like a weaponization of our, our herd instinct, like, like mind control. How do we, how do we convince people to go out and do our bidding for us? Um, tapping into the frequency, if you will. I don't know. Does that, does that jive? Like, can, can I just say something about that? I, yeah. I wish I could pull it up right now, but um, I'd have to fumble. I do remember reading fairly recently. I mean, there's this speculation that everything has a frequency, which I do believe because there's nothing solid and stagnant. Everything's moving and everything's cyclic that's organic. Um, and that apparently there is, uh, I don't know if it was the brain or one of the organs of the body that actually has a resonant mm -hmm. frequency of 7.83 or very close to. I think it's the heart. Is, it might have been the heart, yeah, yeah, uh, something really major. So um, I just wanted to bring that up as a point of interest with absolutely no citation. Well, <laughs> so it's, well, it's a matter of homeostasis, okay? Like this is – it's kind of hard to explain what, what I'm thinking here as far as this common frequency goes, but I think we have an inherent need or like biological drive to stay 
in the common frequency. And this explains why people fall into riot mentality, why communism can be so appealing as an idea. It's sort of this idea that I can give up my personal decision-making and go with the flow, um, at least as far as it's told to me. But it's kind of an inauthentic, um, you know, it's not what... (laughs) You know, they might be they might be operating at 7.92 instead of 7.83. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 connecting to a common thought like hive mind, but it's not the correct one. It's not the correct thought. Does that stem back then to what like in group preferences are? Because I think the majority of what's going on in France is purely based on multiculturalism does not work multiracial countries work but you need to have a common basis of a culture for those for the for the betterment of society for it to continue as as a uh, a society that works you can't have polar opposite ideas of how you view the world in the extreme mm. it could be multiracial but i don't think it's it's so much a frequency thing that's going on over there i think it's just a long-term plan to to snuff out the the indigenous people of Europe. Yeah. When we mentioned a few months ago that there was people that were upset about their pensions, I mentioned that, that there's a rampant crime and homelessness problem in France and that refugees are basically filling up the entire, uh, the, the islands between boulevards and, and it's turned into a complete nightmare slum. And now they just had, they just looked for an excuse, anything to light the powder keg, just like the same, the same thing that people here do with their riots. Whenever, you know, uh, there was the Michael Jackson impersonator a few weeks ago, they tried to, they tried to turn that one into a riot. It didn't work out because, you know, people are tired of this trick, but they, anytime that they can light it up, they light it up. And I, I guess the, the tensions are at this point, plus the, the people that are there are not the same culture as the French. These, these are Algerians. They live completely different than the French do. And they're also intent on taking over. And that's this, this kind of gave them their chance to, to put their faces out there. And this is going to get even messier. They're going to shut down the internet in a couple of days. So that's not something I've heard covered a lot, but like most of these rioters are Algerians. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah, yeah. North uh, African France, in general. Yeah, France colonized Algeria uh, a long time ago. They even had they even had a war between them. Um, but yeah, they they've been bringing in loads and loads of refugees from all over. But there's this contingent of Algerians that are you know that are the a big part of the problem. So, so not only is there possibly some sort of a little revenge mentality, perhaps deeply in, entrenched, but also it's the antipathy of um, the French culture, isn't it? I mean, that's it's <laughs> it couldn't be more different. So, well, the, interesting. This is a a thing where you know it's we have to rethink liberalism if we want to have it. If if liberalism is is what we want to have, it 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 can't. Um, I forgot who said this exactly, but liberalism and multiculturalism can't coexist. I think it might have been Aaron talking to Pete, but you can't mm-hmm. have 
liberalism at this level with multiculturalism. It just doesn't work. And, and this is the consequences. Look at this. Yeah. Here's, here's kind of a summary of what's been going on. So this has been happening for, I think five nights, uh, maybe six morning after the night before the Paris suburb of Nanterre is almost unrecognizable. Burnt out cars and debris littered the streets, a result of Tuesday night's riots, which led to dozens of arrests, as well as minor injuries to many policemen. The reason for the protests? The death of a 17-year-old, named only as Nail M, called over for supposedly breaking traffic rules. Speaking in Marseille on Wednesday, French President Emmanuel Macron called the killing inexcusable. I want to say to his family, all our solidarity and the affection of the nation is with you. An adolescent was killed. It's inexplicable and inexcusable. These are words of affection, sorrow and support for his family and loved ones. An eyewitness filmed the police performing the check, one pointing a gun at the driver. When Nael tried to pull away, the officer fired at point-blank range, killing the teenager. The police initially said that the driver tried to hit the officers with his car, but video evidence appears to contradict that claim. The officer who fired the deadly shot was taken into custody, accused of voluntary manslaughter. Fresh protests are expected on Wednesday night in Nanterre, as well as some surrounding areas, with Interior Minister Gérald Darmanin announcing police reinforcements in order to keep the peace. I have decided to mobilize 2,000 police to ensure that the public is kept calm and to ensure that public order is maintained. Incidents of police shooting at vehicles has risen since the law was relaxed in 2017, allowing officers to open fire if a fleeing vehicle poses a danger to public safety. All right, so that's the backdrop. As far as we're told, um, the video of the kid getting shot in his own car. It certainly makes you think that it was unjustified, but you know, who knows, who knows if he had a weapon or anything else. I mean, I don't know, man. It seems like they're, it's a similar ploy to the BLM thing. It's like, we're going to, we're going to foment an anti-police movement so that we can convince the majority of people that they need more police. I mean, is that... Yeah, well, I think it's already at that stage, isn't it? I believe that the um, citizens are already uh, calling for the military to come in and overthrow the government and Macron, uh, which is exactly what was predicted that they was the plan, basically, the people to beg for the military. Here we are. But it's interesting where they get these police from. I don't know whether it's a uniquely French thing and whether France has been a, like a testing ground for militarised police because I know that in my home state in, in Australia, the police numbers are drastically low so much that they're trying to poach police from overseas and bring them here because we don't have any. So is it a case of that they've been stirring this shit up in France for so long with just regular riots, regular protests, so that they can bring in foreign police and teach them how to deal with people when they uprise and, and go against the status quo. And that would lead to a lot of things we saw during COVID where they're, especially in Canada, where supposedly we were seeing police that couldn't speak English. Um, and a lot of people believe that they were foreign assets. Yeah. There's, there's a, uh, a thing where they want to get foreign police 
uh, everywhere. Um, in fact, in the United States, whenever we had uh, the Katrina situation back in 2005, I believe it was, they had cops and National Guard from other states other than Louisiana because they were going in there and disarming people. A lot of and, a lot of feds a lot of feds got called in, including national parks rangers. I and I know a couple personally that got called down to Katrina. The more foreign the uh, the person is, the less connection they have to the people, the culture, etc., and it makes it a lot easier for them to dehumanize the people. And that's why, you know, whenever whenever we always you know, are concerned about blue helmets, right? And the blue helmets are not going to be our culture. They're not going to be our people. And, and that's, that's going to be a big problem. So whenever it comes down to it, it's, it's drones and blue helmets. It's going to be pretty sketchy. During, during the BLM riots, they sent national guard from here to there and from there to here so that there was a separation. You know, these people were not, dealing with their own people yep no. that's exactly what happened here in australia too even in my local area where we did a um a silent protest it was supposed to be <laughs> didn't turn out that way but um we're at the local council chambers just doing our silent stand and um yep it's scary when sirens are coming for you <laughs> they eventually arrived and um yeah it didn't stay silent very long there was one one numpty in the middle of the crowd that decided to, oh, you're all clowns in uniform. Anyway, um, but, yeah, there was a lot of police around that weren't actually from that area. So, you know, I mean, it's particularly important in smaller towns and regional areas because there is, there is there can be relationships, not so much as now as there used to be, but, yeah, there's relationships, so bias, yeah, obviously. That, well, that's how the, the modus operandi of, policing in Victoria works it used to be the small community police officers which the community could then trust because they had a relationship and a shared history with these people now they're not allowed to be um, stationed in the town that they live at or an area they live at there's police that I know that travel every day to Melbourne for work and vice versa people from Melbourne come work in the country so they've got no connection to the people on a local level let alone you go to the broader spectrum of you get boots on the ground soldiers from other nations occupying you yeah. yeah, I wonder when that sort of started happening. Probably, I'm going to guess, maybe mid-2000s or maybe somewhere around 2012 or something. Mm. So we had a question in the comments asking if firearms are legal in France. I would imagine... Yes, they are. They're are they? just regulated. France, uh, I think, you know, they're <clears throat> they're pretty readily available if you're using, like, sporting or... Um, you know, hunting purposes. They do have gun stores over there, but it's not like uh, Poland or like the Czech Republic. I think those are more of the free uh, firearms uh, countries in the EU. Um, But I will say this, uh, the thing that should be shocking to most is how quickly this truly turned violent. It's not just people throwing bottles and burning stuff. I mean, they've got... uh, belt-fed machine guns, they've got assault rifles, uh, there's machete attacks, they really? chop the guy's hand off. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that, um, <clears throat> you know, I could see, uh, you know, here next year using something similar to this to have somebody installed that's, you know, uh, an authoritarian, um, you know, that, that they want you to place all your faith 
in the state that you have to trust us. We're doing the right thing. Um, you know, because it's going to come to that, right? They're, they're going to try to bring in uh, outside groups to enforce some sort of rule. Um, they did, they did finally uh, start doing the pandemic treaty. So, you know, who do you think is going to enforce that? It isn't going to be Joe Bob down the street because people know where he lives. Um, and that's, <clears throat> that's not a threat. It's just, you know, saying you don't want to be doing uh, bad shit to people in your own community because there may potentially be some fallout from that. Well, yeah, just wait until these NATO weapons that were supposed to be in, in Ukraine end up on the black market in France and other parts of the world. And you have some people using stingers to take out commercial airlines. That's when they're going to bring in this this person that's going to go back to conservative values and usher in a new snazzy mustache man. And they're the person that's going to use the the World Economic Forum playbook and the likes of the the World Health Forum's vaccine passport. They're going to put in all of these things and hammer them down on the people. It won't be the left. They'll make a system um, that brings in a, a new right wing person. As far as I'm concerned, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they can do it. I, I just don't picture them seeding that. It's, uh, you know, whenever they had, um, they've had chances to have somebody like that. That's this is not what. Yeah, I, I think France is going to continue to allow itself to be punished, and, um, and the liberal world order rolls on and the authoritarians are going to be left authoritarians just like Macron has been. So, you know, they're, they have a way of doing this where it's, it's branded to where it's, they can still call themselves, you know, the good guys and they're not going to, uh, the people just won't let that be the thing. Um, there's, there's, it's going to take a while more for that to brew up to where the people are going to go right. It's going to take a, a while more in a place like France, I think. I feel like it doesn't really matter um, left or right, like authoritarians, authoritarian, you know? Um, yeah, it just feels it, like it a depends. very contrived, a very contrived perfect storm of violence to me. Hmm. It really depends exactly on... Planned. Sorry. On if you're for your people or not, and mm -hmm. and these people, the liberal world order is not for their people. That that's why you know we've got the same problem with our borders. We've got nothing but but men in their 20s and 30s crossing the border. And what what do you think whenever they activate this thing, whenever they activate this situation here, how it's going to look? You know, it's it, it's going to be you a bunch of Haitians and stuff like that. And yeah. It, <laughs> There's more, there's more Chinese single fighting age male coming into this country than you would realize. This is something I discovered today. Um, there's a serious, like basically like middle-class Chinese guys getting out of China and coming to the States through the Southern border, which I had never heard of, but here it is. Um, just a second. Just while you look for that, did you happen to see the clip of those Chinese school children doing their weaponry? Did you Did you guys see that? Mm -hmm. Oh man, that was freaky. Well, there's that's what, I've got, that's what I've, we're up against. 
I've got something kind of along those lines um, in my. But it's mode. okay. Our kids know what thirty-six different genders are, so they'll be fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> here we go. Hello. Mandarin. Hello. Whoops. Visa for right. Chinese people to travel to. I fucked up. So they fly there. All right, here, hang on. Mandarin. English. English. Are you from China? Yes. From China. 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 There has been a 920% increase in illegal U.S. border crossings by Chinese nationals. What has caused this sudden flood of Chinese nationals fleeing China, putting their lives at risk and paying smugglers up to 50,000 U.S. dollars each just to escape into America? Now, these aren't impoverished people escaping some kind of a war-torn scenario where their country is in some sort of ruin or they're escaping extreme poverty or something like that. No, these are decidedly middle-class Chinese nationals that are being rounded up at the border here. They're either being caught or slipping through. And the question arises, why have we seen such a massive increase in the trafficking of Chinese across not only the southern but also the northern borders of the USA? Well, first, let's go back to China. What you're seeing here is some footage that was taken a week ago in Beijing, outside of the Beijing U.S. Embassy. Now, these queues that you see, these massive queues, are people that are lining up for their visa interviews. Now, for those of you who don't know how this works, I've been through this process myself, is when you want to apply for a visa to come to the USA, be it a tourist visa, student visa, a work visa, whichever kind of visa that you're applying for, there's a very long process. It starts out with you setting things up online. You have to input all your personal information. It's a very, very long process. But once you've gone through all the online applications, submitting all your documents and you know doing all of this and that, the next thing, you finally get to the point where you can then go for your visa interview. And that's what you're seeing here, people lining up for their interview. So what you do is you line up, you go inside, San Francisco or LA or wherever their opportunity slash family slash job is waiting for them. So there's no risk. The only risk, of course, is getting to the border. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit because after a bit of research, it turns out that a lot of the Chinese nationals are flying into Ecuador. And the reason for this is that Ecuador is one of those few countries that doesn't require a visa for Chinese people to travel to. So they fly there, land in Ecuador. The smuggling operation has already been set up. It's already been paid for in advance from China. They meet their smugglers. They get taken across South America all the way to the border through some very dangerous places, by the way. But, of course, they're paying a lot of money, so they get the right kind of protection. They reach the border. They get told, hey, don't carry luggage with you. Wear clean clothes. Walk in that direction. If somebody encounters you, smile or you know, pretend you don't understand what they're saying. Just, you know, pretend it's all natural and off you go. But why would middle-class people 
decide to do something like illegally cross a border rather than, you know, go through the proper steps? Well, you have to understand that Chinese society is what we call a low trust society. Western societies are usually a very high trust society. In other words, we don't expect people to take advantage of things. Like, for instance, if you put out some food for homeless people, you don't expect a millionaire to drive by and take that free food for themselves because that's not what you expect. It's there for the homeless people. In China, however, being a low trust society, it's really dog eat dog. And if you're not careful, you'll get taken advantage of. And you learn to work in that system. And this system of taking advantage when the opportunity arises, because if you don't, you lose out. So why not take this chance? The risk is minimal. I mean, if you get caught, like I said, you just get released anyway. And so what if you get deported? You just try again. Maybe this time you go through Canada. And I didn't even mention that part, but there's been a big issue with people crossing what's called the, uh, what is it called? The Peace Bridge Park. Okay, so you get the picture. Um, this was about three months ago, I think. Yeah. So, you know, he kind of hits on it later in the uh, in the video, but we have Chinatowns in every major city. And it's very easy for a Chinese national once across the border to just live kind of under the radar in Chinatown without getting harassed by the U.S. government. But this guy, he talks about as a, as a South African when he lived in China. This guy lived in China for 14 years. And he talks about how he was almost constantly monitored and harassed. You know, basically anybody from Africa is labeled as high risk. And... He, uh, yeah, I mean, he basically says, I knew where I was. It's Chinese, like communist China. I'm living in communist China. And he would have police come knock on his door, wake him up middle of the night, search his place, like whenever. Um, but it's just kind of funny. Uh, I don't know. Enough said. What do you think? I mean, are we being invaded? Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of stuff happening as well at the uh, Canadian border. There's there's you know they're just coming over there as and buying up a lot of things in Canada. Uh, I was in a, a hotel in Pennsylvania, and I got kind of stranded because the truck I was going to get wasn't where it was supposed to be, and. Um, and I went to the hotel and they said, no, sorry, we're, we're completely booked up. So I went to the hotel next door and I said, what's going on? Why is the hotel booked up? And next to you, are, are you booked up too? And they're like, we're giving you the last room. Uh, there's a bunch of Chinese here and they're buying a whole bunch of things. So there is, there is basically a, a Chinese sleeper cell situation going on in the United States. But this is very well contended because this empire has got about a billion ways that it can fall and all of them, all of those balls are rolling in some direction. So, uh, yeah, I, I ride the bus in Laredo, Texas all the time and I don't see Chinese on the bus. So there's, there's that they, you have to go through a station in order to get up the, uh, the freeway there. But, 
I, I have not seen any Chinese. I've seen other nationalities on that bus that I, I'm kind of shocked and surprised about. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen a lot of Africans on that bus. I've seen Russians on that bus. Yeah, but there you go. I'd be a bit more concerned about, like you said, the the things that are already in place in countries where infrastructure is being bought out by the Chinese Communist Party, um, farms, agriculture, all those types of things that are being purchased. If you're starting to see Chinese people come across borders, like we saw in that footage there, where it looks as if they're actually in families, they've got their partners, that's less of a concern than it would be 25 to 30-year-old men, just men coming across borders like we see with the North Africans um, going into Europe. I think what's happening possibly with China is the middle class who do have the wealth to escape are trying to escape. And that's probably more than what we're seeing. If you're seeing Chinese coming in legally into countries, I'd say they're more likely to be sleeper cells because they're being backed by the Chinese government to do so. They're probably being paid to go into Western countries, buy up businesses and, and try and bring down Western economies from the inside. I think the people that are coming out, it's it's a very different thing from what the CCP is itself. Yeah, apparently China was trying to buy Texas's power grid, and Texas is the only state that has an independent power grid. Um, and uh, I think it was something that was made illegal temporarily, uh, and that that executive order was canceled whenever Biden entered office. Well, what you were just describing there, Drew, it just sounds like you were describing Australia. I mean, um, yeah, they own the energy resources and, yeah, it's it's the way to do it. It's from the inside, just weaken the structure, isn't it? I mean, this has been going on here for decades. It, it really, like, it's hard to talk about this stuff without sounding like a chronic racist, but honestly, it, I mean, the place where I was in in Sydney, um, it was just becoming more and more and more. Um, I mean, you know, more and more signs were starting to, have just Chinese writing on them and no English. It's like, okay, that's a bit of a, a red flag, you know. Like, I mean, sure, individually, great, but on mass, it's it's a worry. Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't even handle going down the shops. It was like, like it was like spot the Aussie seriously, and it's been like that yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah Springvale's synonymous for it, and it's got to a point where even in regional parts of Australia, we have there's a, a bit of a tradition in Australia where. All the fish and chip shops, the chicken shops, like the the takeaway food places, they were traditionally always owned by Greeks or Italians because they were the immigrant working class that came out, really put in yeah. the hard work to to build something. Now they've got to the point where they've, they've got generational wealth and they're selling it off and every single person that buys it up without fail is a Chinese family. Mm-hmm. So are yeah. they just the new working class coming out or are they deliberately snapping up everything they can? Well, I just wish they'd learn how to cook decent fish and chips. And make a decent burger, you know? I mean, they just can't. <laughs> I don't think they change their oil at all. <laughs> Enough said. It cost money. Bingo. Hey, well, your feral cat problem is going going away, so it's all right. So these apparently apparently there is a new cultural revolution starting in China. That's the essence of what's happening from what I can gather, at least from this guy, you know, who's to say if he's worthy of trusting, but um, it it's kind of fishy. He, he's got this article, right? But it's on the state sanctioned newspaper. So this is in essence, a 
a statement from the from the Chinese government. I go straight to the source. I've put a link to the article in the description. You can go read it yourself. If you can't read Chinese, pump it through Google Translate. You'll still get the gist. But it goes on in the beginning about how the entertainment industry has become kind of debaucherous, etc., and that uh, right now the clampdown is justified on the entertainment industry. If you've been keeping track of China right now, if you've been watching our podcast, you'll know that big-name celebrities have been basically silenced They've been erased from their past TV shows for various reasons. There's tax evasion reasons. There's misconduct reasons, according to the Chinese government. There's a lot of different reasons why the entertainment industry has been cracked down on. But the gist of it is, is that they don't want this Western-style debauchery, you know, this big sort of fan base, this this uh, adoration of these celebrities. Um, they don't want that in China. They're trying to get rid of that side of things. And so you can go read about it. So it starts out by basically uh, saying how they are taking care of these celebrities because they are misbehaving and evading tax and whatever other reasons. The next section then goes ahead to attack capitalism, okay? And it's there to attack, um, you know, these big enterprises in China, which I'm sure if you're in finance or if you've had playing in the stock market or whatever, you'll know about all the crap that's been happening with Chinese tech companies in particular. You know, Alibaba's ant um, IPO got shut down before it could even start to fly. Uh, Jack Ma, the the owner of Alibaba and the IP thieves, has disappeared and is now no longer in the limelight. He's been quashed and taken out, along with a lot of other Chinese billionaires have been silenced or been taken care of. And a lot of big companies like Didi, you saw what happened with Didi tried to list in, in, in the American Stock Exchange. They did list on the American Stock Exchange and then suddenly... China pulled a big number on them and removed their apps from the store and the stock fell and all that sort of thing. If you've been keeping in touch, you'll understand what this next section is all about. The next section talks about um, not only Didi, but Alibaba and also China's new sort of anti-monopoly law. And they also mention that the, this all happened around the time of the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party. And they say that the solemn anniversary and uh, it's all tied into that, guys, because look what it says here next. It says, the series of rectification actions by the People's Republic of China are telling us that China is undergoing major changes from the economic, financial, cultural and political fields to a profound change or a profound revolution. This is important wording, guys. This can be seen as the beginning well, we've seen it for a while now, but this is now in black and white on Chinese state media saying that uh, the Cultural Revolution 2.0 has begun. If you don't know what the Cultural Revolution is, I call it the Cultural Devolution. It's what destroyed China. It's Cultural Devolution and the Great Leap Backwards is what really ruined China under Mao Zedong, where China's culture was destroyed. China closed up. Millions upon millions of Chinese people starved to death. Horrible things happened during that time. And now we're seeing 2.0. It's something that I've been predicting for a very long time would happen. I didn't realize that it would start happening and being acknowledged so soon. Anyway, let's continue. Okay, so after revolution, this is a return from the capital group to the people. And this is a transformation from capital-centered to people-centered. Therefore, this is a political change. And the people are becoming the main body of this change again. And all those who block this people-centered change will be discarded. 
Of course, what he's doing is he's talking about, you know, Jack Ma and the other billionaires and anyone who's kind of drunk on the idea of Western capitalism. You will be discarded if you get in the way of this people-orientated revolution that they're talking about here. See? Now they're making enemies out of capitalism here, making enemies out of the idea of capitalism, and saying that it has to go back to people-orientated rather than capitalism-orientated uh, or capital-orientated. This is the wording coming out of the government here, guys. This well, it's interesting. It's like it's the unintended side effects of what's happened with China being the manufacturing hub for the West. The West have pretty much nuked their own economies by outsourcing everything to China. But China's got the unintended side effect of they've become very westernized. You look at all the youth in China, they want all the Western clothes. They want the Western media. They want Western food. Australia's food output to China alone has grown exponentially so we can meet up with the demand of Western-style diets happening in China now. So it's almost culture-blocking themselves. And what you're seeing in this video here is almost like them trying to take back the Chinese culture that they want because it's becoming mm -hmm. very Western influenced. Yep. Yeah. yeah they, so, um, go so, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to comment on what he said about uh, how Mao Zedong basically <laughs> um, destroyed the culture. Um, and But the next step was millions starved. And um, that's concerning because when I look around at what's happening right now, they're destroying the cultures. And the food supply. Yep, side effect of communism is starvation. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a like a naysayer and a dooms, but you know we've got to be careful. We've got to watch this stuff. We've got to. Well, it's no point in figuring it out afterwards, is there? Yeah. Yeah, attacking our food supply is a, a big part of their goal. Um, you can't control people if they're not hungry. Um, you can. There's just it's just the easiest way to control them. If people are hungry, then you can just be like, "Well, do this," and you know, and that's how you get, you know, willing people to enforce whatever terrible things that the regime wants done. Yeah, and when people are hungry, they're, they're fighting amongst themselves, so they're each other. Yeah. So apparently, their entire economy is just kept afloat by like Ponzi schemes at this point. I mean, you've probably seen the uh, ghost cities, right? There's like just hundreds of like empty ghost cities all across China. And now there's like hundreds of thousands of these abandoned electric vehicles. Um, they, they boasted that China had the, the greatest sales of EVs in the globe, like beat out Tesla. But this is how half of them, it seems, turned out. Well, Mike, we do similar things in the U.S., right? We prop our yep. uh, economies up. Yep. Yeah. This is a field of over 10,000 Neta V Chinese EV cars that are rotting away. And this man has just exclaimed that these BYD cars, all 2021 models, have less than 31 miles on them. Just like that field of 10,000 cars, they all have license plates on them, they're all fully registered, and they've been put away to rot.
Yes, all of these cars have been left to rot. Why on earth is China throwing away entire fields of electric cars? By now, we've all heard that China's EV sales are outpacing the rest of the world. You'll see the headlines that say, oh, China is now the leader in EV sales and Tesla's got to watch out and all this other nonsense. Well, guess what? It's true. The numbers are true. But what you're not taking into consideration is that China is the land of shortcuts and facades. And all of these cars that you're seeing in this field, well, they're counted in those numbers. Let me explain to you what's going on. Uh, should be around. Uh-huh. Sorry, I was muted. Um so in essence, like there's there's this revolving circle, this spiral effect of these these mega companies like just overproducing and with the um with the the ghost cities, like people buy apartments that never get finished. And it's this weird effect where everything's overvalued. The government doesn't want to admit anything's wrong. Like it's, it's the biggest bubble economically the world's ever seen. And what we didn't see in the last video, but he gets to eventually they're, they're essentially preparing their, their population for war. And I think it's to avoid civil war. Like they, they are, they're about to burst is what it seems like all these all these abandoned vehicles abandoned building projects um i don't know i think china's in trouble they have really low uh birth rates right now because there's too many single men and not enough girls well i guess that's a result of uh killing off all the female babies you know a couple of decades ago used to find them just dead in the street in the gutters the one child policy. Mm-hmm. It, that's, it makes me wonder whether, like you said, a lot of this stuff is Ponzi scheme to make their economy look better than it is. But at the same time, I've been toying with the notion that their future planning and, and projecting something that will make China the hub of the world. Like they've got these ghost cities, which most of the time have a, a Loyang sized coal fired power station next to it ready to go. Like they're putting the infrastructure in place in case something happens. And if you look at what China's doing with the Belt and Road Initiative around the world, they're building a modern-day Silk Road, everything leaning, leading back to China, almost as if the Chinese know that certain parts of the world are going to go off-grid, like there might be some kind of a, a solar cycle or a natural event that's going to happen that's going to take out growing zones around the world, and it's going to make China one of the leading places to be almost like they're expecting an influx of population. I'm afraid they're getting desperate because I think shit ain't going right. I think they're, I think they're inflating the numbers and they're lying out their teeth. These are not honest people. I mean, just, just watch this. Yes. That is a man painting trees green. And this is a field of stones. Tens of thousands of them attached to rebar that have been planted one by one in the soil. 
Was that a Rockford tree? Is painting these desolate rocks and stones green. But why? What is going on in China here? Why are people taking tens of thousands of individual stones, attaching them to rebar, and planting them in the ground in a field? And why are they spraying the rocks green and painting trees green? I'm going to tell you exactly why. Shut down factories when that's a big earner for you. Now, you see, China is the land of shortcuts and facades. I mean, the rules are there, but nobody pays attention to them. I mean, take a look at this, for instance. You have a, a, a restaurant staff dumping the leftover food and uh, dirty dishes and uh, whatever the chopsticks and used bits and pieces in the river at a tourist site right there uh, in China. And this is a very, very common sort of a situation. The rules are there on paper. You're not supposed to, in Chongqing, which is one of the biggest cities in the world, be digging in the trash for oil to reuse in your restaurant. I mean, this is a very interesting picture because you can see a Gucci in the background there. And here you have a lady wearing a restaurant apron, fishing out used chili oil from the rubbish bins to go and use in a fancy restaurant, which you're going to eat at after buying your fancy Gucci bag, I would imagine. And this is not an isolated case. We all know about gutter oil, and we know about the fact that this is a big problem all over China. Like I said, the land of shortcuts and facades, if there's money to be made, then why not? Here are how the dirty dishes are cleaned and uh, <laughs> packaged up nicely for your restaurant when you go and sit down, as you can see there. Now, these funny little examples are indicative of how China works. And what happened was, once these mandates were given to the cities and the towns that they have to clean up their act, reduce their pollution, and uh, increase the environmental beautification, well, what did they do? Simple. They just submitted false numbers and false data. So they would say that, oh, no, the air quality is good when it was bad. Oh, look at this. The, we've planted so many trees when they hadn't planted any. And they would go as far as to meddle with the air quality measurements so that if somebody tried to check up on them, the central government tried to check up on them, it would actually show that the pollution was lower. They were caught doing things like putting cotton into the sensors. One building is quite famous. They got caught out their bad luck because they were spraying the building, which uh, had all the sensors in it. They were spraying it with water from these big sort of anti-smog machines. So they spray the water all over it to get the particulates down, you see. But because the weather was cold, it froze. And so there was a huge layer of ice all over the building when the inspectors came to check and it gave away their little ploy. Uh all right. So like my point in all this is I really don't think we're that much better. Like I think China has a bit more of a mental grip on their population than than the United States, but truth is we're really not that much better. And I think Australia, I mean, we I, I shouldn't exclude you two. Um seems from my point of view that propaganda has been working pretty well in your country too you know we're we're in the minority on this here podcast yeah i'd definitely say that it seems to have been working its charms on uh, most people i know it's just a shame they can't think to unplug um, from the mainstream and just take a little bit of a look underneath the bonnet 
It just doesn't seem to be happening. Do you think so, Drew? Do you think there's a, an increase in people being sort of waking up and being more aware? I think possibly there's a very slow increase at this point as uh, the pollies I'd, are speaking out. Well, I'd say it's probably slim to none. Even the pollies that are speaking out, they're controlled opposition as far as I'm concerned. I don't think there's Same. a right or a left anymore. Um, Australia's mm. become essentially it's in a nation federally and state level that's left-wing socialism. We've got one state left that is considered right wing, but they're, they're the same government that got rid of the logging industry in Tasmania for the most part. And they're not exactly conservative. Conservatives don't conserve anything. So I think that the, the model that is China, that the, the big players in the world want is rolling out pretty successfully across the Western world. And America's always going to be that kind of last holdout. But when they th- rig elections and get people in like sleepy Joe, I don't think it's a, it's something that's not going to happen in America. It just might take longer. I remember reading just very recently that Victoria had pulled out of the Belt and Road Initiative. Is that? Did you hear that? And it was very quiet. That was, oh, gosh, about eight, nine months ago I read that. Um, Morrison, our previous uh, Prime Minister for the international listeners, he was right-wing and he put a block on it from Daniel Andrews. But um, – Daniel Andrews has recently gone back to China and had secret deals and had secret mm. meetings with the Chinese government. So they might have pulled out of it or been knocked on the head from the federal level quite some time ago, but I dare say it's 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 in full swing. He sold now it to the yeah. I'm sure. In the state hands. That that was the trip that he took and uh, just he, he didn't have time to take media with him. He just doesn't have time for the media. So he just went all by himself. It was an $84,000 trip too. Excellent. Hope you had a nice time. Hope you ate at some of those restaurants where they were washing up like those dishes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hope he got his chili oil from the trash. Yeah. And it was all cat. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, scum. Total scum. You know, I, I wish I had more of a coherent, like, theme here except that it's just interesting to kind of look at what's happening in China. And, um, you know, it seems to me that they're losing their grip. Like the, the government seems increasingly desperate, which is almost more frightening. It's like a wounded animal. It's like this this document they sent out basically directly called for uh preparing for war and it's not it's not war against mongolia or uh you know india or anything else it's war against the united states and i think it's the only thing they have in their back pocket to say you know to keep to keep their own people from coming after them but then again they they have over generations basically subjugated folks and there's this thing that me and stella were talking about on on my episode with her last whatever um how with these hierarchies you have this culture of being a tyrant to those beneath you but like a total slave to those above you and that seems super prevalent in chinese culture um, this guy talks about how they treat the wait staff just terribly. And, you know, 
it's like if you have any amount of money, you get to just bully the hell out of everybody who's got less than you. It's not a healthy culture. Yeah, it's sort of, I guess, you know, the pop, the number of population kind of encourages that because it's it's sort of each to its own, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. there is a huge population and I just wonder, yeah, I, I don't know where it's all going to go. I haven't got a clue. But I know there's a lot of them um, leaving and uh, it has been for a long time. Yeah. I don't know. Any any thoughts on China? Like I have a couple other clips, but I don't know if they'll do any good. It's just well to me, we to know. me it's it's interesting to think that I really don't think we're that much better. It's easy to We know to a couple judge, of things but... though. Uh that that the World Economic Forum wants to split us up into into two groups. Basically it's it's NATO and BRICS. And then recently with the uh with the agreement uh, with OPEC to start trading oil in yuan, and actually, I think more oil is now being traded in yuan than there is in American dollars at this point, which is pretty scary. That can happen pretty quick. Then also, China owns a bunch of U.S. bonds, and if they sell them all at once, they can they can do a lot of damage to our our dollar pretty quickly. So there's there's a bunch of balls in motion and things in play. Anybody? Yeah. I don't know. I like feel bad for folks in China. I think they're just so, you know, it's like it's it's one step down from North Korea. Like they don't have any independent media. And those that get out, I assume, I hope are are sick of it, but like I don't know, man. Can I just can I just say um yeah. That was, it was mentioned at one point that um, about how things are sort of kind of temporary in China. I think I heard that. Um, I'll reiterate that because I used to deal with um, a luthier, a guitar maker, who had a factory in China. Um, he was a white Australian guy, like many multi generational, um, and I used, or he used to make guitar straps and all sorts of things like that, and which I used to design and stuff. So, and we worked closely together, and he used to have some interesting stories about just the Chinese people he worked with and he was really, really good to them and they just like, they just couldn't believe, you know, how good he was. Like they didn't have to have 10 people to a room and all that sort of thing. He'd teach them how to make a coffee machine and then they'd go off to an, some other job and demand higher rate, higher wage because they knew how to use a coffee machine. But the point I was going to make was that um, like construction, as far as like um, structure construction and um housing and that sort of thing goes it's just it's somebody else mentioned how it's all yeah very much shortcutted and all that kind of thing and um wherever they can they'll make a shortcut and basically things are just not made to part to last beyond about 50 years that's pretty much the the lifespan of a structure expectation (laughs) so whether that's um whether that's because of the shortcuts or whether it's because they just know the cyclic you know things change all the time and they don't really want permanency i don't know this is something that I remember him talking about. I'd like to add something. Uh, I've used a lot of stuff that's come out of China in uh, my old job. Uh, the quality in the last three years has dropped dramatically. 
Um, but <clears throat> they will shortcut. They will do anything they can to screw you over and to make money. Um, they, uh, I mean, if you guys think Harbor Freight stuff is junk, you haven't seen a thing. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. that they were sending lead over in the plastics. So that they, that's how they would get rid of lead was just to dump it into plastic. And that, you know, and all the cheap crap that we're buying back, all this waste that we, we got China to dispose of for us, they're sending it back in, in mm. all of the plastic and such. Yeah, well, Australia used to send all their recycled plastic to China, and that stopped a number of years ago. Um, and now the recycling schemes have pretty much fallen apart in Australia. It just all go, ends up in landfill. Um, I guess that's a symptom of what happened. I mean, it's yeah, you can't really blame them. <laughs> it's like we just here you go. Here's all our rubbish. I mean, it's but well, it's even know, the iron, the iron to happen all the iron ore we send to China, Stella. We send our best iron ore from this country. We dig it out of the ground. We do the hard work. Send it to China. They process it and send it back in such a shit quality, it rusts <laughs> within the first year. Yeah, yeah, totally. Look, uh, I think China is sort of pretty much ends up with a lot of the best of everything because, you know, there's a lot of rich people there, what have you, and it's a very high demand. But a lot of our good seafood, um, you know, a lot of our good meat, I guess. I don't, I don't really know specifically what industries, but I just know that the Australians generally don't get the best of our industries. <laughs> um, I used to live in a fishing port and uh, it was definitely, yeah, we didn't buy the best. That best was sold. <laughs> That's where a lot of the good coal goes in the U.S. Um, a lot of the stuff gets put on a barge and goes straight over to China. There's, there's like definitely a culture in China of taking, taking the quick buck without a whole lot of forethought. Um, that's what I, that's what I kind of came to understand here. Um, it's kind of like, I would rather burn the possibility of doing business with you in the future for like a quick scam. This is the culture in China. Um, the, the, the ghost city phenomenon is fascinating check this out what is the secret behind the ghost cities of china what you see here is myself and lao 86 standing in a ghost city in liaoning province this isn't the only ghost city we visited however here in Hunan, you can drive for hundreds of miles, and on each side of the road, you will see multiple little ghost cities and ghost villages dotting the landscape. Let's head on to Shandong province next. And as you can see, right near the big city of Qingdao, as we rode our motorcycles through completely empty Husks of buildings in another ghost city. These eat, they simply put a bunch of restrictions in place. Like, oh, couples are only allowed to buy a certain amount of apartments. This is, it's the Chinese government who gets to say if the real estate market is going to be valuable or not. You see, they have all sorts of tricks up their sleeve. 
when the market starts to cool off a little too much, in other words, they see a downturn and it starts to slow, they simply take away interest rates. Oh, now you can buy a property and you pay 0% interest rates. In fact, you've seen all sorts of programs where they even say that they'll pay your first year's worth of mortgage for you. All sorts of weird and wonderful little ways to get people interested in buying property when the market cools down. The thing is, when it starts to overheat, they simply put a bunch of restrictions in place, like, oh, couples are only allowed to buy a certain amount of apartments. This has led to all sorts of nonsense, like people getting divorced on paper just so they can buy more property. The difference is now is it's not about the consumer anymore. That's not what the issue is right now. It's about the construction companies themselves. I'm pretty sure we've all heard about Evergrande, this massive big property developer in China, and how it's been, well, running into troubles recently. Well, what if I told you that every single real estate company in China is currently in deep, deep trouble. This entire industry is built on debt. The real estate companies take out huge amounts of debt to start their projects. They get huge amounts of investment from potential buyers, and they're using that investment as capital, get even more debt. So they use debt to pay off their construction workers, to pay off their material suppliers. They use debt to pay off the interest on the debt that they've taken. But now, in fact, over a year ago, the Chinese government decided that they're going to try and put a stop to this and try and cool it down a bit. And they came up with their three red lines policy, which, simply put, prevents these real estate companies from just taking out any debt whenever they want to. They have to meet certain criteria before they can then take out more debt. And it probably won't surprise you to find out that not a single real estate company in China met the criteria of these three red lines. In other words, now you've got all of the real estate companies in China not able to take out debts, not just Evergrande, not just the big ones, but none of them can take out any further loans to pay off their debts. So this is a huge, huge issue. And we're going to see some big changes in the whole Chinese economy soon. Let's keep an eye out because the Chinese government will fight tooth and nail to keep the bad news out of the press, to stop people from realizing that it's a bad idea to invest in property. So in short, these ghost cities are in fact a huge part of China's economic engine. Without them, there'd be nowhere to store all of this wealth. I know it sounds crazy, but these worthless buildings in the middle of nowhere actually support a massive portion of China's economy. And who knows what the future holds, but it's not good. Anyway, until next time, I hope you've learned something and you know the drill. Unlike the Chinese... All right. I mean, I, I skipped over a big portion of that where he explains how essentially the only investment opportunity for middle-class Chinese folks is real estate. And it's this super weird inverted like real estate market where to buy an apartment would cost you, let's say $4,000 a month where you could rent it for a thousand. Doesn't make any sense to me, but that's kind of how it was described. And at the same time, people are talked into buying apartment spaces, even ones that never ho uh, uh, you know house any kind of tenants because they won't make enough in rent to make it worth renting. And they buy it as an investment, knowing supposedly that the, the real estate market is rock solid and they can always sell it for a profit. 
but it's all kind of built on lies. Yeah, I'd love to know how well those structures have been built. Like, are they just aesthetically being built as in to be able to see them? I'd like to see inside them. I'd like to see some sort of structural engineering reports on them. Um, and I do wonder if they're sort of potentially there also for the future. You know, like it's sort of has aspects of a smart city looking to, like a really decrepit smart city <laughs> potential or, I don't know, concentration area. I don't know. Possible. Seems or are they purely just the Ponzi scheme? Yeah. It seems fraudulent. It seems fraudulent. And like we are so intertwined with China. It's almost like having a dishonest business partner and realizing they've been embezzling money the whole time or something, you know, like, and I think, I think their people are, I don't know. Are they, are they just not aware of how corrupt it is? I mean, they've been fed a steady diet of propaganda for generations. My fear is what happens when, when China, def, you know, just like goes into famine or, you know, you've got a whole lot of people that are held together by this kind of fraudulent system. But what can they do? I mean, they don't have any choice other than accept it or the government's going to come in and kill them. Mm -hmm. our, our system is fraudulent too, and it's completely built off of debt. So uh, yeah, exactly. this whole thing is is you know, this big ball of yarn. And if you, you know, if, if certain things get pulled a certain way, then you know, really the whole world is in chaos. And, you know, maybe that's, you're starting to see some of that in France, right? Well, you could see that just about everywhere if the money goes a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just that we can see those buildings yet, you know, in our societies that they're doing exactly the same thing? It's just that we can't sort of see them in front of us whatever it is they're doing it's more hidden but it's not much different i don't think yeah it's it's the way the the money is designed that the money is designed off of debt and that's that's not how it was meant to be and it's you know it goes all the way back to uh Bretton woods and uh and yeah mm -hmm. if you yeah. 1912. If you recognize this, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that, yeah, that was the Federal Reserve Act. I'm talking about whenever it was completely untied from uh from gold in the 70s. Uh -huh. So, um, and, and you know, they really okay. So 1913, yeah, that was that was the worst. But then in the 70s, it it's just become debt. And then the agreement that we had with OPEC, uh, that I just talked about a little bit ago, was pretty much it's pretty much the reason why the united states is the empire that it is now well that was when kissinger converted it to the petrodollar is that what you're talking about yep yeah the petrodollar yeah. is yeah that that's really the the key to all of these situations and why mm. so many wars are for oil and so many wars are for the interests of saudi arabia and that other place that that we're not supposed to talk about the eye place. Yeah. I wish I didn't even have to give a shit about um, global politics, you know, but it seems like it kind of matters. And um, 
again, like we're not that much different than China. They're just a little less subtle. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. We're, we're just really good at hiding it. In Australia, we've had yeah. massive record amount of debt racked up and then our government turned around and said we're in an $18 billion surplus and we're in a good position. But it's funny numbers and funny accounting because they count everything they've, air quotes, built as being equity. So they can overinflate the costs of, say, duplicating a highway. They can overinflate that by three times the actual cost of it and that supposedly offsets their debts, but they actually haven't paid anything off on paper. It just keeps compounding. They're repaying debt with debt. So it's the same thing as China. We're just smarter at doing it. How to lie with statistics. Mm-hmm. Monetize debt, yeah. Apparently, China only had 5,500 uh, COVID deaths, while the rest of the world had millions. You know, It's almost like they were lying in the exact opposite direction as everybody else. Perhaps. Well, you you think that they might not have just said, you know, hey, you died in uh, an accident, but we're going to call it this because we get paid extra money because of the way the the uh, the relief act was written. All the hospitals wanted it to show something. Right. I mean, that was the incentive here. Whereas in China, they were trying to minimize their their culpability. So it was like zero, zero COVID policy and it, it darn near worked. We only had 5,000 people die. Um, I don't know. Like I wonder they're, they're clearly just fubbing, you know, the numbers fudging. I, should I wonder say. if they, they used intubation and, uh, and remdesivir in China. They probably yeah. didn't. There wouldn't have been those massive incentives, you know, of thousands of dollars per procedure. It was up to a hundred thousand dollars per patient. Um, different procedures in America, but completely different culture, completely different situation, different facet because we know everything that happens is multifaceted. So for them, their situation was different. And, yeah, as you said, they went the other way, different um, uh, motives, yeah. I would not at all be surprised if their actual real death numbers were drastically low though like we all know that the videos of chinese people falling over in the streets was bullshit propaganda pushed to make us go into lockdown so what's to say the chinese actually had any kind of outbreak in reality they could have just been weaponizing whatever it was into other countries yeah that's true we don't know i don't know anybody personally that died of covid um I know of a person that died with pneumonia, supposedly, after COVID. Um, but, you know, it's just like, what what, what pandemic? I didn't see it, personally. I only know people who were injured or died from the shot. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting, so I don't know of anyone in my local area, and it's quite a small regional town 100,000 plus people but everyone still knows everyone I don't know of a single person yet that's that's possibly died of it or as a result of it so it's it's really strange space like I see it all the time internationally um died suddenly like famous people sports stars but I'm never seeing anything locally which is really odd yeah well a couple of that I know of were older people and they shouldn't have had the shot you know any sort of shot really in the first place, one was a severe diabetic. Um, within the shot, he got the shot and he was dead within a few days. 
down in Melbourne. Yeah, um, the it, it's so clear, especially you know how far after we are of this situation. Uh, there's so, so many people that that believed in that that still want to pretend that you know the whole world didn't go crazy three years ago, but it did. And you know, a lot of it was a lot of it was an illusion, um, and. A lot of it was done with the uh, with the sole purpose of getting people to take some medicine that they didn't need. So OG Dadbod sent me this earlier, um, and I think it applies. Anything to say about this, OG? Uh, if you're going to play the full clip, it's definitely worth the watch. But uh, I think this is some big-time bodybuilder uh, just fell over dead. Uh, I think a day or two ago, and this is his interview. It's uh, really enlightening if you did not uh, want to play guinea pig for the uh, Kufus shot. Really? Yeah. Why? Yeah, and also, Brew, you know how it is. This is the same like you go to a and party. You were worried about your heart? And you are with the wrong people. All of a sudden, you might do something on this party that you don't want to do because there's these people like, you know? You you should do it. <laughs> dude, <fuck>. So <laughs> Damn, I'm in this dude. place also. I was in this place. We don't need to say where it is exactly, but I was there and my friends said, like, we can get it. You should get it, man. And I'm like, You got yeah, peer just... pressure into the vax? Yeah. Kind is of that what you're saying? I don't like fuck no. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It is I'm, what I'm, it is. I, I, when I think about it later on, I'm like, what did I do, man? But Oh my God! This turns into weird cons controversy therapy, uh, conspiracy <laughs> therapies, uh, theories. Because I did blood cleaning twice after all this. I did a plasmaphoresis with taking out heavy metals and all that stuff. Oh man, yeah, I did all this. I don't know. Is this this is too controversial probably to say? This. Wait, no, say it, say it. I, I went to the doctor and I did my blood work again because I take my blood work all the time. And then I show it to the doctor and we kind of see these particles and i'm like what is this and then they all no say, way this dude. is this is shut from, the fuck up this is from this and i'm like oh my god and then i show it to another of my friends and there's all kind of hidden websites that you can't get to but it's like the dark oh media kind god. of web and there's even more conspiracies this is crazy as fuck because i know you're the kind of guy who for sure you got your blood work all the time and then you're telling me you got the thing and then you got your blood work and then it was fucking crazy and and yeah and this this guy's also big into it so he's like you need to do a plasmaphorosis now. So they poke like a fucking needle into your arm here, which is like like the like the like a pen, you know, like thick like this, right? Unbelievable yeah. thick needle. And they take all your blood out, put it into this machine, and then clean it and bring it back. So we did this with the heavy metal cleaning and all this stuff, which supposedly cleaned my blood. I did a D-dimer test and all this. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like this determines like the clotting of your Arteries, Blood, yeah. arteries and stuff like D-dimer and like my D-dimer was this and then after all this it was dead and then yeah I did so this. It, did it improve after you got that I removal? Did it, yeah twice I did it in six month period like one time and then the second time also expensive as fuck man like yeah it's no fun man uh, so yeah I was so shocked and the doctor was like you need to do it man if you want to like survive after you took these shots bro no way you need to do this now yeah this was like that actually oh, <laughs> shit because I don't know if the nurse did something weird because when she took the she this in Thailand obviously yeah so when she then took out the blood and then it's like there was some like a white thing in there 
And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And then they may be like, maybe cholesterol. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, what the fuck is this? It's a, then I showed this to my friend. He's conspiracy. Oh, he shows no. me all these websites where it's like, since, since they do this to people, so and so many, they found this in athletes and stuff. And that's a weird like, reason why people, they die. They have these white blood clots, tons of them in their blood everywhere. And so they're like, this is what you maybe have. We go to this other doctor and make further testing. And then I make further testing. And he's like, not white. It was not white anymore. There was no white thing. It was probably air. Just like the nurse didn't do it right. But he then said, there's these black particles. This is the heavy metal that you have in your blood. <laughs> that whole thing just trips me out. Yeah, that was such a crazy time, man. Like yeah. an actual crazy time. So ultimately, what I think about this right now, like after all, I'm like, that was it and is some kind of a flu. And that's yeah. what it is. And people overreacted maybe and whatever this like, people maybe saw opportunities also for making money. Mm, yeah. 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 And you know that there's maybe bigger people over us they can control much more things in different ways. Yeah. And they did let this happen, right? Yeah. But a, ultimately, I think there was kind of an overreaction to this. Yeah, I agree, man. For sure. I mean, I kept my gym open during the time. It's It was just the whole thing that like, when you started asking questions, there wasn't there wasn't much like, congruency with all of the things that they were doing yeah yeah wow. so, so he's dead now huh that's telling hopefully he uh pricked up a few ease hmm. in the process oh i'm sure they're censoring the shit out of it yeah although it's it was on, on twitter i just had a look yeah it's on instagram too yeah, I am. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't do that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I guess you it's okay to talk about this stuff. Say what now? I've I, I took two. So did you? Wow. Yeah, had to. Oh, you did. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, being a teacher, you would have had yeah. the pressure. Uh, but it's interesting. I took AstraZeneca, and I can't help but notice AstraZeneca and and Johnson and Johnson have kind of railed as being the scapegoat to ban and get rid of them. And I didn't want the mRNA variations and I actively had to push and get special permissions to have AstraZeneca as the two that I took and they weren't going to allow me to take it. And just my firsthand knowledge and noticings is that anyone that took an mRNA, their immune systems have dropped and they're constantly getting sick. And the people that who took AstraZeneca unless they had a blood clot initially straight after it, they don't seem to be as sick as often, which is a weird kind of thing to notice. Wow. So th that was the same as the Johnson and Johnson in the United States. They were, they were practically the same thing. And one of my friends that, that got a hold of that ended up with a horrible case of shingles. And, uh, and, you know, I, I, I guess maybe these the the one shotter situation was you know was better for some people, but it it was worse for a lot too. Um, then I, I I think that a lot of them were duds that they just put saline or mishandled it and all 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 kinds of things that could have happened, and that's why we're not seeing it as bad as it could be. But you know I I was talking to a guy the other day and he's talking about all these people that are still dying of COVID and I'm like, who's, who is, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's people that are all vaccinated. 
Yeah, totally. When it when it first um, came out, or was being talked about being distributed, it wasn't distributed in Australia yet, but I did quite a bit of a research into um, the procedure that had, you had to, or the medical people had to go through for each different um, vaccine. It varied, um, but the procedure that had to be kept to for freezing or oh, transportation, storage, opening, using, etc. that was some of it was ex- like they needed training for that stuff, even to the point where, I mean, I've, I've seen quite a, a number of footage of, you know, people like shaking the vials and they're not even meant to be doing things like that. They're just meant to, you know, turn them up and down very gently, not shake them. Um, but what made me sort of look into that was when um, there was reports of India, that the vaccine had hit India. Uh, was it India? Yeah. Uh, and there was reports of uh the remote communities were having their vaccin- vaccination stock delivered via drone. And that's what made me look into it because I'm thinking, how the hell can they do- be doing that? Because A, they need to train people and B, there must be a motherfucker drone to carry a fridge with it. So, yeah, um, it's possible that some of them were dud because they weren't held, um, stored properly or handled properly, although that still worries me, like duds dud crap going into your body as well hopefully it just deactivates but um anyway i'll just sort of mention that yeah essentially if it was got over a certain temperature it became inert if it was violently shaked or moved around too much it became inert so it had all these things around it where it had to be given in a precise exact way for it to work by their standards so knowing australian roads i dare say a lot of them were made inert (laughs) just by the bumpy potholes and things they went over yeah, I'll just stop here and grab a well, pie, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I drive yeah. refrigerated freight for a living, and uh, and most of the reefers are minus ten maximum. Uh, minus twenty is pretty common as well, but I'm pretty sure that this stuff was supposed to be shipped at minus forty. I didn't uh, some, have yeah, to ship of... any of it, and I also wonder, you know, because they got it out there hard and fast, and that that was pretty interesting too that how how much of the stuff got around everywhere you know i mean you're, you're finding it in every walmart tvs every every single place you could possibly imagine and they had tons and tons of it so they couldn't yeah, get it, rid of it quick enough man it's like yeah. come get it come get it we got it come get it come get it <laughs> and storing at one Minus 40 in in a CVS? You think the people working in the CVS are storing that at minus 40? Well, that's the thing. That's why people said that either they had all these things ready to go, like they'd made them in the previous years, but at the same time, they were big to push that they went out of date very quickly. And it's starting to see out of the EU now that up to 30% of what made its way into Germany and Europe was actually a placebo. Mm. It didn't have any active ingredients in it. So were they just pumping stuff out and they were filling stuff with vials of saline just to make money and there was only a certain percentage that actually went out? I wondered that myself. And and, and apart from that, just um, certain trials of different experiments going on in different parts of the world. Um, that, that thing about being stored at minus 40, that was one of the – well, one of the four that I looked into at least. So that was only one of them. So that was a slightly different vaccine to the others, I guess. Um, but it, also each vial was multi-dose, like it wasn't one dose per vial. There was about four doses in each vial. And um, so, and that only, like that all had to be used within two hours or something like that. 
and there was all things about it could be recooled at this temperature for this long. And like it was very, yeah, you had to adhere to a lot of things to get it right. So I'm sure it wasn't adhered to everywhere. So the potential is if people weren't handling it correctly, they could have been withdrawing three or four doses in one hit and giving it to one person, which is probably a lot of the reactions we saw, the extreme ones. And then Mm. people who got no reactions might have only got one dose or half a dose or nothing. It could just be in the saline that was in in the actual dosage. They may not have got the, the full ingredients. That's a really great point. I mean, how how meticulous were the records kept? I'm sure that there weren't, yeah, there must have been things going through the cracks. There always is. I think we're making a lot of uh, excuses for, I mean, a lot of people just got duped. I mean, I get it. You know, people have to take it for their job, but, you know, <clears throat> you wouldn't test an experimental drug on your kids or your dog, would you? I know I wouldn't. Well, that's the thing. They're not experimental. mRNA vaccines have been used in livestock since 2006. If you're in America eating chicken, you've taken it already. Hmm. That, that's what really blew me about it. They they kept saying it was experimental. It's this brand new vaccine, but it's not. It's been around for a long time. So my initial thinking was they're going to go back on, we've been using it in livestock for a while and it's safe, but they never went down that route, which is really interesting. Well, they already played that card saying that it, you know ivermectin was horse paste. So they couldn't go back to livestock. You know, at least here in the states, they they had to they had to maintain the emergency use authorization, which meant there could not be any viable over the counter remedy. Um, I still think that was the, the 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 first big sort of lie. Well, not the first, but one of the one of the early ones was that ivermectin did nothing. If they let ivermectin do it and fix it, they couldn't have sold anything. Yeah, I think it's multifaceted in so many ways. Like Stella said, it's it was a grand experiment across multiple places around the world at the same time as a big money racket. Huge money out of it. Yep. And also it was a big, big muscle flex. Let's just see how everyone re- responds. It's social experimentation, big time. Well, Ando, you sent me a couple of links. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, about trying something and and not really knowing the consequences. Um, so there's this idea to cause global cooling by basically mimicking what volcanoes do and um, and blocking out the sun with reflective particles. And uh, the, what's that? I'm pretty sure they made a movie about this. Didn't end real well. Did they make a movie about this? Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what so, was it? Uh, everything froze over? The one with the oh, train? Oh, it's a Snowpiercer. That's interesting. So it's the day after tomorrow. That's, uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, I, I think day after tomorrow was supposed to be, you know, to really... It was a, it was to say that you know whatever we're doing is is ruining the climate. Now, yeah, that's yeah they're they're trying to do this thing, and uh, and recently the uh, the Biden men said that they they would you know seriously consider this. Um, do you have that clip of Biden? Yeah, uh, just a Here. sec. 
Okay. Sorry, it's just to uh, for for my sake. Is this geoengineering, like as far as um, plane farts and all that goes? Blanketing yeah, the sky pretty... to try and block solar rays. Yeah. Yeah, from the planes, etc. Right. Okay. Yeah, they're using balloons. I to might do have come it. up with something else. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about yet. Over the past two so, years, yeah, a third of Americans have been personally affected by extreme weather events. One third. Folks, this is what climate change looks like. Only it looks worse if we don't do something now. But I don't have to tell you, it's not inevitable. It is not inevitable. With your help, we're doing something about it by reclaiming our leadership on the world stage. The leadership that members of Congress and all of you have made the largest investment in climate, environmental justice, and conservation ever anywhere in the entire world. There's a lot of threats our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren are going to face. This is the only truly existential threat. It's the existential threat. If we don't meet the requirements that we're looking at, we're in real trouble. So, it's the only existential threat. Let's hold them to that, because uh, it seems like every single thing that this administration tries to throw at us is some new existential threat. And, you know, meanwhile, he's starting World War Three. But I guess that's just an aside. But anyway, yeah, they're serious about this stuff. Um, and we might be seeing it. I know that Bill Gates is is really interested in this stuff and he's he's sent funding to Harvard. And my connection to this story is that I used to uh, do the pedicab thing in Austin. Uh, probably mentioned that on the show before but it's it's a bicycle taxi and there was a guy that ran one of the uh companies there and now he is the ceo of some company called make sunsets that sends balloons up into the atmosphere uh with this um what was it sulfur it's sulfur something that causes the uh the reflections have a a big clip from him if uh if you can get that mic or if not we can just talk about it real quick about me three of the coolest things that i have built before make sunsets of course are um at the opposite end of the spectrum from venture funded startups i taught myself to weld and built a fleet of bike taxis in austin texas it was a very 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 fun job and ended up being a fleet of about 20 of them around downtown uh i was lucky enough to work at y combinator as director of hardware and helped make it the best place in the world for early stage hardware companies. And then I've done a variety of very tiny housing things. This is a collapsible apartment building that myself and some friends built at Burning Man a few years ago. Each of those square panels is a four by eight sheet of wood. So it's like a beehive style collapsible apartment complex. Uh, I was lucky enough to be born the oldest of five, lower middle class, and philosophically, I'd describe myself as a, I guess, a, a syndicational anarchist with techno-utopian tendencies. So how'd I get here? Um, I did a little bit of climate protest. This is with Extinction Rebellion. In New York City, I think 2019, we got arrested for meditating on Black Friday, this giant shopping day in the US, in the middle of 34th Street near Macy's. Highly recommend that anyone who cares about environmentalism or just wants to see really good marketing 
look at the Extinction Rebellion stuff, particularly the initial talk that they do, it's really, really effective at explaining some of the problems that we're facing and, and the role that uh, civil disobedience might play. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a very bougie getting arrested experience from what I hear compared to others and compared to my one other experience. We're in and out before we could even finish doing our, our group yoga session in jail. So uh, while it was a lot of fun and I encourage everyone to partake in activism, um, unsurprisingly, we didn't, we didn't solve the problem. We, uh, many of us have protested, I assume. Many of us have written and thought deeply about climate and the world is literally still on fire. Greenhouse gas emissions get worse every year, even during COVID. So I got frustrated and basically semi-retired. I was like, spearfishing is the one thing that I like to do and am naturally good at, otherwise pretty uncoordinated. I'll move to Mexico and buy a cheap piece of land in Baja and while away the days, spearfishing, build a small solar-powered off-grid place and, you know, the, the responsible adults can maybe someday figure out how to solve the problem. Um, that worked for a while, then I ran into a problem, which was... I read this book by one of my favorite authors. It's called Termination Shock. Highly recommend it. Uh, apparently, I missed the uh, novel part because to me, it is uh, an interesting example of a radical set of actions that we might take not to ask politicians someday, somewhere, maybe, or beg big businesses to please fix the problem for us, but actual action that we might take to, to directly cool the world. Then I read another book, The Ministry for the Future. Um, highly recommend reading both of these. They're not well-written because they're sci-fi in my opinion, but you know we, we'll grade it with a curve. I would strongly posit that our actions will determine over the next 10 years, whether we face more of a ministry for the future over the rest of our lifetime or more of a termination shock. I. Uh, I pr clearly prefer the former, and I think after you read them both, you, you'll probably agree. I haven't really talked about this one, but uh, the third book that I will highly recommend and has been really influential on me over the last two years is uh, this text by Andreas Malm. It is not what I thought it was going to be when I ordered it. It's a philosophical treatise. There are no how-to manuals. Actually, there is a small section about how to deflate tires on SUVs, but other than that, no direct advocating for terrorism on mom's part. But he does have this really fascinating quote. And I think if I remember right, he's quoting a British philosopher about the animal rights movement and how, you know, as conditions for animals didn't change, PETA led to different offshoot groups, led to more and more radical action over time. And this guy was observed that it is strange and striking that climate change activists have not committed any acts of terrorism. I am firmly against all acts of terrorism. The point that I take from this is that we're not getting results with what we're doing now. What we're doing now is fundamentally not working. The world gets hotter and hotter, more and more CO2 equivalent in the atmosphere year after year. So whether you end up agreeing or disagreeing with me, I think we can all agree that we're not Things aren't rosy. We're not on track for an equitable and sustainable world. So maybe, just maybe, we should consider escalation or changing of tactics.
Speaking of uh, things not changing, 2012 geoengineering experiment canceled amid patent row. That, uh, that was about the SPICE project in the UK. Scopex 2018, first sun dimming experiment will test a way to cool Earth. 2021, test flight for sunlight blocking research is canceled. We are doing the same thing, asking for permission, slowly going through existing processes that got us here, and we're expecting different results. And I, I think that, that maybe we should consider that the same old methods may continue to result in the same old results. So Luke is really smart, but I, I never rode any of his cabs because they were the jankiest things on the road. And pretty much the reason why why cabs had to be regulated in Austin, because he is the kind of person that will just do it and then deal with the fallout. And he also had another yeah. business in uh, in in Oakland, California, where he was uh, he had shipping containers all within a warehouse and they were all apartments. It was cool, kind of tiny home kind of situation. You know, he's a real idealist. You can tell by the things that he's saying there. He, I, I don't agree with him on any of this stuff. I think that, that the climate situation is is big time hype, and it's it's being utilized by the globalist. And when you when you have somebody like Luke that will just do it, and you know, not worry about the consequences necessarily. I mean, he says he worries about the consequences in other interviews, but he doesn't. Um, somebody like uh, Bill Gates will throw some funding behind him. So far, he's, uh, from what I've heard, at least, he's got $750,000 behind this this project of sending balloons up into the atmosphere and, and you know, burning uh, sulfur to get it, you know, to create these um, reflective things to block out the sun, basically, uh, to try to lower the temperature because he, he believes this whole thing that, Al Gore and Greta and everybody thinks that the oceans are boiling. So yeah, it's, it's scary when you got somebody that's smart, that's a good businessman can present themselves as, as well as Luke can and, uh, and is more than willing to, uh, to break some rules. It's like they're bond villains in a certain way. They come up with these crazy plans and then actually try to execute them. It's like the Simpsons seems to get it right all the time, and it's quite frustrating. But this guy is going to put these balloons up into the sky, and those particulates are essentially going to bring in, if he has enough of them, it would create isolated, cooler temperatures around, which is his goal. But at the same time, you run the risk of having extended winters, lower crop yields, potentially ushering in an ice age like Snowpiercer. Like, those are the, th the outside things that could happen that he's not even taking into account. He admitted himself he's an uncoordinated guy. Now, an uncoordinated <laughs> welder. I don't think I want to own one of those bikes. I also don't think oh, I yeah. want how to do... <laughs> I, I also don't think they, I want how to do uh, bike They were rust buckets. Things. Yeah, I'm sure. You don't yeah, well, want I mean, what, your browser to, history? How to build a pipe bomb, whatever that book Sorry. is. Sorry. Oh, um, I, I don't remember the title. Yeah. I can send um, you the clip later. But we're trusting this uncoordinated welder to fuck with the climate, basically. <laughs> awesome. What do you all think about these uh, Canadian wildfires? Anybody look into that? Because I keep hearing weird shit, but I don't know what to believe. I, I was right in the midst of some pretty terrible air quality 
and I was hearing things about formaldehyde and benzene and I don't know. Did anybody look into it? I also heard that same thing and that people were smelling, were just saying it doesn't smell like a bushfire. It smells more like plastic and chemical. And then there was also that connection to the chemical that went missing from that train wreck. Was it Union Carbide or something? Yeah, that that felt like a stretch. Maybe. It might have been a stretch, but yeah, that, yeah, I'm just saying what I heard. But yeah, as this and this recent one seems to be, it's distinctly unique from the last one where it's not that long ago. Even it was just air quality, and we had the smog. But I couldn't help but notice a lot of people kept putting up pictures of that Blade Runner s skyline where everything was orange, and the yeah. media kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And it wasn't the case for most of the time. That was regurgitated footage from when it first happened mm-hmm. and the air kind of dissipated. But this time around, like you said, Stella, it's got that burnt plastic smell to it where it doesn't seem to be purely organic. Even if it was man-lit fires, like deliberate arson, it wouldn't account for the smell that they're getting out of it. I wonder if it's because of the stuff that they're spraying you know, the chemtrails, et cetera, whether that's the smell that's burning. Also, fire retardant is not a good, that's very chemical-based as well, but no, yeah. And Just chemtrails relates to this too um, because, you know, uh, aerosolized, um, atmospheric aerosolized injections uh, is happening and, you know, everybody seems to think that whenever you say chemtrails, you think that you're a kook, but no, they're they're have been weather modifications. They used weather modification in a battle in, in Vietnam. And so they were using silver at that time. And now they've, they've downgraded to uh, cheaper chemicals, but you know, it, it, it's a real thing. And so, yeah, the globalists are trying to control the weather. Um, yeah. Well, know. I was having this uh, I'm sort of quite interested in the weather modification stuff. Um, Jim Lee's climate viewer is a very good resource for, um, information on that he's he's trying to um get some sort of a a restriction on people because there's really absolutely bugger all regulations i mean your farmer down the road can build a weather weather modification contraption basically um and then the guy down the road from him can also build his so it goes from like really crude sort of experimentation right up to the you know the big guys yes in agriculture you can purchase people's planes to dump stuff in the sky so you can induce rain on your property. It's not yeah, a, an unknown Aust- thing. Australian rain. You can go on the yellow pages and pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Australianrain.com.au, I think it is, or it might be .org. Anyway, they're a, yeah, they're an Australian company that um, have been doing experiments, etc. in, oh, what's that place in Arabia, Saudi Arabia? Oman? Oman, A-O-M. Anyway, what I was going to say before is I come from a farming background, sort of like a couple of generations back, um, had a really big property and I was just talking to mum. I mean, mum notices the clouds as well. You know, we, we both go out and look daily and take photos because she's, you know, she's an old farm girl. She grew up on a farm um, and she used to talk about how they were starting geoengineering in the 40s, the 1940s, and her dad you know, the they used, the government would, you know, say, oh, this is what we're doing. And, and the farmers would think, oh, you know, that might be a good idea to get some, you know, they, they were drought stricken, you know, so oh, that'll be good if we can get some rain. So it seemed like a good idea at the time. But, yeah, I mean, she talks about seeing it with her own eyes, experiencing it as a normal thing back in the 1940s in Australian outback. 
Yeah, I I can't help but think these fires. I you know I just it seems very strange how the majority of the impact is where I live. Um, I mean, I guess I can't. I'm no meteorologist, but like these fires have been going supposedly for like a month, and just a handful of days ago, the the weather quality around here was just awful, and I don't know what to make of it. But I found this and. I can't actually remember what it says, but let's let's check it out. Hey, Internet friends, as smoke from wildfires in Canada drifts into the United States, millions of Americans are on high alert for bad air quality. But this isn't just your normal smoky air. No, people are complaining that the air smells like burning plastic, resulting in headaches and sore throats. And not only are people worried about the physical effects of breathing in this air, but farmers are concerned about the detrimental impact on their crops. Smoke from the fires in Canada is affecting over 77 million people. These pressure systems are funneling the smoke down the eastern seaboard, creating massive air quality alerts. So you need to know about the air quality index. It runs from zero to 500. The higher this number, the higher the level of pollution is and the higher the health concern. Right, Michelle, we're supposed to limit your time outdoors and we have been going back and forth uh, very quickly back to the truck as soon as we're done here on air and that's what we'll continue to do throughout the morning okay code red means that the particle or air pollution concentrations are unhealthy for the general population but especially for kids or seniors or so that was my readings inside my house what they claim is from wildfires which is horse the amount of formaldehyde in the air in michigan it's on a serious level. Like, we're talking, like, dangerous here. I don't know if you guys can see it right now, but there is a haze everywhere around here. It's like, I guess they call it the smoke from the fires or the volcanoes. Who knows what? But there's a stench in the air, and it's, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, and it looks like the sun's going down. That's not good for crops, and it's not good for anything else. And there's something happening here. I walked out of my house this morning, and I smelt burning plastic. So I got on the Google right away. And I looked, where is this plastic fire? Well, there was no gigantic plastic fire. What we are smelling is the smoke from northern Ontario and northern Quebec, the forest fires. Now, what is happening? That wood smoke is going up into the atmosphere, and it's mixing with water. Ultraviolet radiation from the sun is causing chemical processes to turn it into formaldehyde and benzene. Yes, I said formaldehyde. We all know what they use that for. And benzene causes cancer at four parts per billion. So far this year, wildfires in Canada have burned a record 20 million acres. The Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Center says that there are 500 wildfires going on in the country right now, and more than 250 of them are out of control. For over a month, the smoke has been making its way into the U.S., and you'd think that since wildfires are in Canada, that the air quality in Canada would be the worst, but no, the air quality index for places like Chicago, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Ann Arbor in Youngstown, Ohio, are ranking in the mid to high 200s, which indicates a warning level of very unhealthy air for everyone and an advisory to stay inside. And I'm recording this on Thursday. As of Thursday morning, the Washington, D.C. area, Chicago, Detroit, like I just said, we're among the cities with the worst air quality in the world. So just to reiterate, the wildfires are in Canada, but somehow in Chicago, Detroit, D.C., these are the cities with the worst air quality in the world.
I mean, make it make sense. I understand that smoke is blowing south from Canada, but why aren't Canadian cities ranking high on this index? For the last week, I'm seeing so many Americans discussing the air quality and exactly zero Canadians talking about it. In the comments, please, if you're in an affected area, let us know what you're seeing and more importantly, how you're feeling. On the American side, they're saying how it's so strange because... I figured I'd pause. It's like a 10-minute video. I don't think we need to watch it all, but... I don't know, man. It was pretty eerie. Like I couldn't see downtown from where I'm at, which I usually can. You know, like visibility was less than a mile. Well, my th my thought is, it's Canada's turn. Being an Australian, hmm. it, it's interesting. It's I think Australians we have a, a a firm understanding of of bushfires and forest fires because it happens so often with our eucalypt forests. They're they're made to be go through that cycle because it's the only way they germinate a lot of the trees. So we've seen this a lot, but where Americans aren't understanding why the smoke is coming down, doesn't that just follow the 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 wind patterns and the the airflow in that part of the, the northern hemisphere? It comes down from Canada right. into to America. No, um, I suppose it does. It's just um, you know, I is we've it just had a lot. You haven't seen before in within the in in the Midwest. No, we really haven't. Like we've had big wildfires out in Oregon and Colorado and California, and we've seen some smoke like come in, but it was just so dense. And like especially New York, they're not used to that. But you would it's think, like I mean, for them. I don't know. And I keep I keep seeing stuff. Of course, people are making making assumptions, but um, there was like the time lapse where like all these fires started up at once. And then there there was this like image of all the worst air quality. And it, it looked like it was just so concentrated in like the Midwest of the United States. It seemed suspicious, but it was probably just a matter of kind of where are the sensors? Um, I don't know. You know, I'm not saying there's any grand conspiracy here. I'm just saying like the, the, the air quality is, is bad. And they're, they, they kept saying like, stay indoors, stay indoors. You know, I, I could see this as basically being like another excuse to lock us down eventually. Yep. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Those climate lockdowns that they've been talking about. Right. Um, I don't know enough about Canada. I don't know what sort of areas are burning, what sort of trees and shrubbery is burning, um, or whether there's any plans for those areas, as in that there were in Australia with the fast rail or whatever they called it, and the smart cities. Um, just saying. <laughs> well, the good thing is Canada spent more money on Pride Month than they did on their budget for fighting forest fire, so. Did they try putting rainbows on their firefighting equipment? <laughs> yeah. All these rainbows come out of the fire hoses. <laughs> it's finally over, though. Pride's, Pride's over. Yeah, yeah. And now it's June, and uh, it's a whole new month, and we can do whatever you we want. You mean July? It. It's July now. You're right. Yeah, You're, yeah it's July. Yeah. 
which Except is freedom. For, uh, Richard freedom Levine. Month, Richard Levine says that it's a summer of pride. Yeah, Richard. And the guys get bashed now. <laughs> Didn't Cortez say that the Fourth of July should only be celebrated as four days out from Pride Month? That's what it should be remembered for. It's been four days since Pride ended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Might as well like embrace it and enjoy a little freedom after that shit was, you know, jammed down our throat. But anywho, anybody have more uh, another topic or should we wrap her up? That's completely up to you. How long do you want to go? <laughs> We're at two fifteen. Um, I've gone through everything I have more or less. I can give a quick little update of what's happening in Victoria with our little dictator, Dan. Please. He started Australia's very first animal um, gathering little operation where a census is going on. First in Australian history, he wants to know what each household has as a pet, what they are, what breed, how many of them, all under the guise of that he can provide greater support to the veterinary system for the people's pets, which just flies in the face of what it really probably is, is he's either going to tax you for having certain animals, give you a carbon credit score for what animals you've got, and then possibly bring in some kind of a ban where each household will only have one pet as of this date and you won't be able to buy animals anymore. It just goes in line with yep. Agenda 2030. Um, and yet again, Victoria is a testing ground for Australia and Australia is a testing ground for the world. So you can All look of the to above. That. All of the above, I reckon. And possibly euthanasia when... somewhere down the track. Definitely. Yep. Can't have animals. People were... Too much strain on the environment. And pandemic, the pandemic uh, vectors. Yeah. They'll have Yeah, disease. they were killing their cats for for COVID. They, like, I, I, I've seen people honestly say this. Like, well, I'm pictures of it on, on Twitter of them saying this, that they would euthanize their cats because they were afraid that they were going to get the virus from them. So yeah. then you have that pandemic treaty go through and what's to say there's not a dog flu in the future and they, ha exactly. they know which households have dogs and then they know which ones to euthanize. Yeah. And I've looked into um, the vaccinations and things that we give our pets what we're told that our pets need. And I think it's, a, it's something that, you know, has really flown under the radar as far as people's awareness go. We don't actually have to give our pets all those things. Um, if you start studying things like, I mean, we don't have rabies in Australia. So we're lucky there. But, um, you know, parvovirus and kennel cough and all that sort of thing, sure. I mean, they, they exist, sure. But we don't have to every year give every single pet. I mean, my dog, oh, maybe once I think we, she went to, um, you know, where you puppy babysitting sort of thing. But apart from that, she was always just with us at home and hardly ever, you know, so you can't expect people to, you know, have different rules for different circumstances. But what I'm, what I'm saying is it, that's a scam too. It's a pharmaceutical scam. A lot of those shots are not necessary and especially not annually. So maybe he's taking an inventory for the, all the Chinese that are moving to Australia to know how much uh, cat livestock there is. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a restaurant boom. Cats and well, dogs. Well, if there are actually uh, organised, like, food reductions going on and the crop yields start to go down, maybe they want to have a finger on the pulse of what animals they can eat. Like at a national level. Like, oh, no, all the cattle have died mysteriously. Let's eat the cats and dogs. It's all multifaceted. It is. 
And also, this, don't forget the microchipping thing. They will make sure that every single pet is microchipped. They'll probably even microchip fish soon, goldfish. Um, and then and then they'll kill them. <laughs> Not that that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to laugh or you cry, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yep, totally. You know, I guess uh, maybe it's time to kind of wrap her up. I do have a clip, you know, I, it's not, it's not been a terribly coherent theme throughout, but I just do think China is worth keeping our eye on. Um, and the last thing I have is like the only, um, the only professional sports league that has stood up to the CCP. So hang on just a second. I'll pull it up. Um, you know, we, we have like the NBA bowing down, the WWF, the, you know, all, every professional sports league is is bowing down to the Communist Party, except one. Tennis. Yes, tennis is the biggest enemy of China at the moment. You wouldn't believe it, but tennis has just messed up China. Six love. Remember the old days when we used to watch TV like this? Remember the wallets we used to lug around? Are you still carrying around the same style of wallet? If so, SpenZA. Use the code SpenZA and go grab his. So sports, as it turns out, are a valuable weapon when it comes to international diplomacy. Good evening. The Soviet Union will not be taking part in the 1984 Olympic Games to be held in Los Angeles. The Soviet Union accuses the United States of using the games for political purposes. They say they are guilty of stirring up anti-Soviet propaganda. When it comes to your image overseas and when it comes to negotiating with other countries. I mean, just look at how the Olympics runs and all the different countries vying for their chance to be in the spotlight and host the Olympics. Look at all these big World Cups that are held all over the world. It means so much to certain countries to be able to host and, of course, win World Cups or sporting tournaments. And we've seen all of the big sporting organizations capitulate to the CCP, to China. I'm not just talking about the NBA, which is the biggest offender when it comes to bowing down to the CCP. <laughs> Happy Chinese New Year from the NBA. But other big organizations like the PGA, football associations, you name it, because there's so much money being thrown at sports in China, because it's so important to China that sporting organizations the world over are more than ready to bend over for big daddy Xi Jinping. But there is one small, plucky, yet strong area of sport that's fighting back, and it's women's tennis. Now, a few days ago, on a tennis court in Belgrade, Serbia, a father was filmed brutally beating his 14-year-old daughter because she refused to practice tennis or she was going against his orders or his demands, something along those lines. Turns out it was a Chinese father beating his Chinese daughter in public. And it was filmed, and there was a lot of outrage. And the good news is, 
is that the father was arrested. Now, usually this kind of news will slip by and disappear and be buried, especially if this kind of thing happened in China, it wouldn't make the news. But normally this kind of thing would just not be a big thing. But the tennis community stood up. The tennis community, tennis stars from around the world spoke up about this and were appalled and demanded action and cast a very unwelcome spotlight on a certain aspect of Chinese society, which has to change. You see, as disgusting and condemnable the actions of this father were, in China, it's actually accepted socially. I've seen it with my own eyes. And even when he was brought before a judge, this is what he had to say in his defense. And I'm going to quote from the Serbian news outlet Mondo. He justified his actions by saying that his daughter refused to continue training on a critical day, and that is why he wanted her to return to the field. He pointed out that it was not his intention to hurt her, but it is tradition in China to respect hierarchy, and he believes that he did the right thing because it is allowed in China. And that's the most important thing to take away from this, is the fact that he beat her seven All right, what do you think? They've never had much bedside manner, I've found, hmm. when I've dealt with them. I've never cared about women's tennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they, they at least stood up against... Everybody else has basically done whatever the uh, CCP asks, and they were at least willing to kind of be like, yo, your culture's fucked. Quit beating up little kids. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you shouldn't be acting like that no matter what your culture is anyway. Yeah. I'm just surprised the NBA is so big in China because they don't really like melanated people over there. No, they don't, but they love basketball. Isn't it funny? It's so weird. It's, it doesn't make sense. So the reason I got onto this, um, somebody shared, it was the first video of this guy that I saw. But it's like the five reasons I don't like Chinese people. But he was super reasonable about it. Um, I've got it right here. Hang on. Who who is this guy, by the way? You used a lot of his clips. Yeah, well, he's. I just found him. Um, he's a South African guy who uh, who lived in China for like. Yeah. 14 years and he speaks chinese um speaks chinese i, I think he's a pretty yeah. good reliable source of info i've seen a few of his things too he seems pretty based like mm. from the subtle the subtle cues he seems yep. based yep. all right here we go oh i hate to say it this is the wrong one um <laughs> good <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The visuals. I'm not even going to describe that for our audio listeners. Yeah, it looked like some calamari, maybe. Um, it looked like a slug. Yeah, yeah. I was probably being yeah, generous. I I went on a date with a Chinese girl one time at a very authentic Chinese restaurant, and uh, and I was vegetarian at the time, and so I got the vegetable soup, and I was finding tentacles and cocoons and all kinds of stuff in the soup. So I, yeah, it didn't work out too well. <laughs> yeah. 
they're just like all the things that they could put into the uh the soup they did i was like oh oh vegetable soup yeah yeah that's that's not a vegetable <laughs> seem to have lost the video um oh, wait it's no, okay here. we we can tell people how to find him no um, i've got it i've got it this would be just a good place to end I, you know, I, I'm not trying to be a China hater or a Chinese hater. I just think it's a culture that is so, so subjugated. And it's interesting to note, like, why, you know? This Pure is the population, I guess. I mean, that it, it is scary. Like, I remember when I was growing up, is seeing some of those, um, bits of footage of the Chinese army, you know, how they're just perfectly in lockstep and there's just so many of them and they're so perfected. Um, that used to scare the crap out of me and probably actually it still sort of does in some ways, but I don't I try not to live in fear. But And then you see um, the video of those little kids handling the guns. I mean, how old were those kids? Mum and I were looking at that and thinking they're probably about seven or eight and the speed at which they were um, taking those guns apart, and they knew exactly what they were doing. That's freaky. That's what they and they're all dressed in army gear as well while they're doing it. That's their kindergarten. Oh, that's their print primary school. <laughs> we're learning how to add two and two. Again, I'll say I think we're like we're not that far off from what they're doing, um, and it's what you and I discussed, Stella, about. Like I said earlier. Um, you know, in a hierarchy, you have people who are slaves to those above and tyrants to those below. And that's how China operates. I'm just I'm just saying it. Welcome to another video. Hey, Zhongguo. I'm going to be talking about the five things that foreigners hate about Chinese people the most. And for all my Chinese friends and subscribers down in the comments, I'd like you to write the five things that Chinese people hate about foreigners the most because that's an upcoming video that I'll be doing with my wife. So please give me your suggestions down there. Anyway, let's uh, begin. What are the five things that foreigners hate the most about Chinese people? I have to reiterate because it seems that most people don't understand what generalization is. But I am, of course, generalizing here. Now, the first thing we're going to talk about is the lack of compassion and empathy. This must be the number one thing that both myself and all of my foreign friends gripe about all the time when it comes to living in China or... Hello, Zhongguo Ren. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, <clears throat> like I was saying, the lack of compassion and empathy that you see in China is astounding. And I'm talking about all sorts of things. If you see somebody get hurt, it's very seldom people will actually step forward to help them. And of course, there are reasons for this, which I've discussed in the past. You know, there's a lot of scams and there's a lot of uh, people taking advantage of other people here. So people are scared. And also, you know, when you've got such a huge amount of people, you get that bystander effect. Either way, it is still a massive, massive problem here. So not only is it when it comes to helping other people but animals as well it's very common to see people boiling animals alive you know cooking animals alive doing all sorts of terrible things to animals beating them because there's absolutely no law against animal cruelty in china 
So also the, the whole thing about, you know, killing animals for their parts for traditional Chinese medicine, things like that. So, you know, the lack of empathy and compassion is really quite disturbing. And I place that as the top of the list. Number two, lack of foresight. Now, what I'm trying to say here is that in China, you've got this phenomenon where people will grab something now without thinking about the future. They don't really have any long-term goals when it comes to things like business, friendships, that kind of thing. So if an opportunity arises now for, let's say, for somebody to make 10,000 RMB, but if they were to take that opportunity now and forego making 100,000 RMB over a year, they would take the 10,000 RMB now. And of course, this sours a lot of business deals because, you know, you might order a product from a, from a factory and they can save costs by giving you a faulty product. And so they do that. And then you end up with a faulty product and you never do business with them again. And this is very unfortunate because it sours business deals, like I said, and it also sours relationships because there's a very much a grab now, don't think about the consequences sort of thing going on here in China. And this is what leads to things like food scandals, fake drugs, the milk powder scandal, all of that kind of stuff comes out of this short-sightedness. Next thing I'm going to talk about is rude social etiquette. I'm talking about things like cutting in queues, urinating in public. It's usually the children that do that, but spitting in public. You know, these kind of uh, general things, talking very loudly on the phone when you're in a public place, like a bus or a train. These are really a big bugbear of most of the foreigners I know as well. And it's one of those things that I think is, you know, generally the older generation is responsible for this. However, the younger generation, a lot of them have picked up this habit too. And it's really annoying. And I guess the only thing that can fix this is education. You know, it's not good to spit. If anyone here watching this video thinks it's okay to spit on the floor, on the ground when you're in public, you know what? That spreads disease. I don't know if you ever learned anything about disease and pathogens and stuff, but don't spit because it's bad for everybody's health around you. And it's disgusting. Do it in the bathroom. Okay, rant over. Number four, having money as a god. Now, this is a bit of a byproduct of religion being completely wiped out during the Cultural Revolution, etc. But I'm sure you can notice behind me we have all the New Year's decorations. They're up there, but a lot of this is all about bringing fortune and bringing money. You see, it's all about coins and fake coins and stuff. It's all about money, money, money. And, you know, if you, if you spend any time with, with Chinese people, you'll start to realize that money is the most important thing in their lives. Of course, money first, family second. Maybe money food, then family, or money, family, then food, something like that. But those seem to be the top three priorities in, you know, daily life here in China. And it's unfortunate because it leads to a lot of the societal problems that happen here. Because money is put above morals, and in other words, it supersedes morals, people will scam, do immoral things, sell their own mother if they can make money. You know what I mean? This should probably actually move all the way up to number one, to be honest because all the scams, all the scandals, all the you know, poisoning of children, et cetera, et cetera, all comes from the fact that people put money above everything else. And I'm not saying that uh, Western people aren't greedy. 
that Western people don't chase money. Of course they do. Depending on the country, et cetera, et cetera, people do terrible things for money. But the problem is it's ingrained in Chinese society that money is so important that it gets put above life and it gets put above people's well-being and it gets put above friendship. And it's really annoying because if you're from the West, you know, money, at least the people I hang around with and my family, etc., money is not that important. Money is a tool. Money is something that you use in order to, you know, live a nice life or in order to do things. But it definitely isn't put above the livelihood of other people. And it's never put above your morals because morals can't be bought. Number five, lack of individuality. Now, this may come as a surprise to some of you out there, but China has a very collectivist society. In other words, people like to be the same. People don't like to stand out. This is, a, of course, a product of history. It's been like this for a long time. It's Confucianist values and, of course, communism and all that kind of thing. The nail that stands out gets hammered down. So people like to all be the same. They kind of like to have the same ideas. They kind of like to aspire to the same things. They like to drive the same sort of cars, wear the same sort of clothes, have the same sort of hairstyles. You get the picture. It's basically a very sort of collectivist society. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to say that should change. But it is something that really annoys foreigners. You know, like I said, that's the point of this video, are the, the five things foreigners hate about Chinese people. And this is one of them. And the reason for this is, of course, people don't make up their own minds. People don't have their own ideas about things. And this is incredibly apparent if you ever look at the comments section of my videos. When somebody thinks that I've said something bad about China, which happens quite a lot because there's, a, uh, of course, a language barrier. And sometimes some of the things I say in my videos can be, very easily be construed as harsh criticism of China. So what will happen is you'll get uh, somebody reads it incorrectly, goes online on the Chinese internets and says, this foreigner is saying blah, 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 blah. Next minute, you'll see like 10 million comments. Okay, not that many. But you'll see hundreds of comments all saying, you are a blah, 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 blah in my comment section. I, I delete most of them because they're all the same. Anyway, next month, somebody will discover something I've said in my videos, and then they'll go post it online, and then you'll get another hundred odd comments saying the same thing. Oh, you are a blah, 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 blah. So there's all these funny rumors going on around uh, the Chinese internet about me. Okay. So um, again, I, I, I point this out to say we are like bordering on very similar problems in our own societies in the West, right? Lack of individual individuality, like worshiping money as a God. You know, I think his list is pretty valid. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Not um, money it, itself, but the love of it. Exactly. Yeah. And pe people often get that wrong. They say, oh, money's the root of all evil. No, no, no. It's the love of it. Obviously, we need money. It's a necessary evil. But, um, yes, it's the love of it. And, yes, in that respect, we're no different. I don't think anyone on the planet is any different. That's very much a, just a human heart issue mm. where your treasures lie. Any other comments? 
going to say, we're going pretty late. Uh, I have one more thing I thought I'd share because I think the theme here is like, like cultural decay, right? In China, they have like state promoted, like without any bones about it. They talk about cultural revolution, destroying God, um, you know, creating a sort of secular religion centered around the state. And I think we're, we're kind of on a similar track. It's just a little more subtle. Um, but I, I found this interview of these heroin addicts and I found it to be kind of interesting. Um, this is what's happening in our country, you know, let's see here. Bob Karen. When really people are assholes. There we go. People that are not in this lifestyle don't understand about drug addiction. One, once you're on it, it's it, to come off. Yeah. To come off is the big thing. Um, it, it, it definitely fucks with your, your mental a lot, For you sure. know, because you start, you start thinking like, you know, like the shoulda, woulda, couldas, like if I didn't do it. Or like if I could get off of it or like how differently your life would be if you never even ran into it, you know? Um, but as far as like, you know, what you have to do to get them, it changes every day. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's not always the, the whole prostitution and, and stuff like that. It, it's really like what you can do, like, I, I was joking about it the other day, actually, with a friend. And I said, people find, like, their own finesse. Like, you find, like, your own groove, really, of, like, what works for you and what doesn't. And you try everything. You, you do. She's a lot nicer than I am. Because I'll rob, steal, and cheat. I don't <laughs> give a fuck about people anymore. I just don't. I mean, I try to be nice to people. But after a while, you just stop caring. When really people are assholes to you anyways, like we're not like, but to people that use drugs. Is it pretty much just every man for himself out there on the streets? In Kensington? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I mean, what? Yesterday what? we seen it. The, um, this guy, he was like, he was out, like out. Oh yeah. 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 This dude was homeless, man. And, and these, these, these crackheads like went up and stole all of his shit. And they tried to wake him up. And like like three or four times the guy kept going back out and they were like, well, fuck him. And they just went and took like all of this food, all of this clothes, everything. And I was just like, this is fucked up out here. Like just rummaging through all this stuff. Like it's exactly like Skid Row. It's, it's totally like every dog for himself. What kind of emotions do you guys go through? Oh, it's up and down, up and down. One minute you're, you know, like you're just, you're just there. You're just here. You're just existing. We're generally pretty happy, though. Yeah. Which I think <laughs> is kind of, a, kind of a miracle, really. But, uh, Are there some benefits to this lifestyle? No, not really. Lack of responsibility? You don't have to get up for work tomorrow? You don't have to? Um, but you do. Yeah, I mean, it's... You, I you might not have not... a nine-to-five, but I do have to work. I, I mean, do we, have... What does your typical day look like? It, I mean, it changes from day to day. I mean, you could be you could be stealing one day. The next day, you could 
hit a hit five hundred dollars on a scratch off. Yeah. I mean Or scam somebody out of their fucking credit card funds. Whatever. I mean <laughs> yeah. just, if, if somebody's dumb enough to give it to you, then then that's that's their problem. Okay. So I bring this up to say like I think this is the same shit. It's like the these are the side effects of socialism, man. Like in China, you got people scamming and lying and and doing whatever they can for a buck because they are at least smart enough to recognize the system is fucked and it's stacked up against them. And you've got people in our country who are kind of living outside of the matrix in a pretty unhealthy way. You know, they're fucking heroin addicts, but they're they're surviving by being scam artists and and it's the sign of an unhealthy system either which way i think yeah well they said themselves um if anyone's stupid enough to give us something that's their problem that's that doesn't encourage me to go and help someone who i think might need help um i mean just look just here the other day in my little tiny regional shopping center um the dynamics have changed a little bit since we got flooded out um beginning of last year and uh the socioeconomic sort of situation has shifted a little bit in certain areas because people have had to be moved out of the middle where they were living because of moldy houses etc anyway what i'm getting to is um i was at this little shopping center the other day just having a chat in the news agent chatting to someone and you know next minute there's this screaming and yelling starts happening just outside the door and I turn around and I, all I see is these two women, um, um, both Indigenous actually, but uh, one of them was sort of basically running towards the other one just shouting the worst cussings um, and basically it ended up in a violent sort of squabble. Um, unfortunately, there was a small child, a little toddler there, white and blonde as you can get, um, and this was all happening right now. This t- child was absolutely terrorised. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't even, I couldn't even think about it. I just ran and picked up this child and sort of basically turned it around so it couldn't see the, the mother and the whoever it was, stepmother, I suppose, at it and screaming these things at the top of the lungs. Anyway, it's sort of the squabble finished after about a minute and um, the woman sort of came over to me and kind of wrenched the child out of my arms and I just put my hand on her shoulder and, she just looked at me in the eye and I just thought, okay, I'm not sure what's about to happen now. I think she's about to deck me, you know. I just said to her, hey, just breathe. And uh, some, I don't know, something just kind of, her eyes just kind of clicked a little bit, something. So kind of brought her out of her rage, I suppose. But, yeah, man, that was hard. And I, and I spoke to a, the lady at the post office afterwards and she said, oh, oh yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of the crack problem around here is just escalating. So, so I don't know if that was part of it. But, um, yeah. The dynamics around here have definitely changed from quite a little regional town now. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. no, I used to date a heroin addict, right? And did you? Then you know, yeah, yeah. And this whole thing about you know, oh, they don't work. Well, you know, she wasn't working. I was working, and you know, but it is. It's like it's it's constantly figuring out some scam, coming up with with something. Uh, begging her parents, begging me, you know, it, it's, man, it's, it's a hellish life. And, 
you know, I, it, it's really hard, you know, being the person that, that, that got conned by uh, an addict, basically I was being manipulated the whole time because I was her meal ticket slash, you yeah. know, like, you know, and she was, she was fine on it. That's the thing is that, that most people don't understand about this stuff is whenever they're on it, when they're high, they're great. They're yeah. like, they're amazing when they're, they're on it. But when they're off, if they don't get what they need, they are complete monsters mm-hmm. and, and really hard to be around. Um, and yeah. So like <laughs> this kind of triggered me, but whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm it's, fine. It's uh, a very real thing happening around us. Um, at least around me, like the neighborhood I'm in, man. Like I see, I see signs of this kind of shit. Now I recognize we are coming up on three hours and we, we lost drew along the way. He, he bowed out anybody that needs to go, uh, is more than, you know, you're free to come and go from the forum as much as you want. I think it'd be worth playing this out though. And wrapping up after, because this, this interview, I don't know if I'll play the whole thing, but, um, it's enlightening. It's enlightening. And I can't help, but just feel I can't quite articulate it, but there's a connection between the desperation of the heroin addict and the desperation of like the poor Chinese, you know, peasant. Like it's, it's similar. It's a similar strife. I, I, I can sympathize even though I recognize the um, inherent rot at play. And it's also a lack of purpose. I mean, that's, that's a commonality. Yep. Yep. It might be the commonality. Yeah. Yeah. The entrenched deep need to have a reason to live. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sad to be like that. And I know that, but after a while it's. And it happens to you over and over too. It becomes so regular that you just get jaded and it's just, you don't, you don't, you don't have any qualms or quarrels about it anymore. Because you know that the next guy down the line, you know, would do it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Period. What are you afraid of? What do you worry about? That my kids are going to turn out like me. That's my biggest fear. I have a great relationship with them. Like I, I, you know, every unfortunately they're down in Florida with my ex-wife. But um, does your son know he's, you're a drug addict? No, no. Um, my oldest, he's 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 got an idea, but he hasn't he doesn't have confirmation of that. And actually, I was just talking to him this morning. I mean, so we you know we we keep in pretty close contact. Those little ones, so cute. <laughs> Beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a buddy of mine that passed away. Uh, his nickname was Beans, so I, I nicknamed my son Beans after my buddy that passed. So. And now, especially because he had to get glasses, so he looks like just like I you, just like me, yeah. just like him. <laughs> that poor kid. I mean, poor kid. <laughs> Do you think the, anything about your personalities have changed from living this lifestyle? Probably just hardened a little bit, a little rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. But I mean, otherwise, like we usually have smiles on our faces mm-hmm. most, yeah. most days. When I'm kicking him in the ass to get him to smile. 
yeah, I go through it sometimes from not seeing my kids, but she was, she was there for me to pick me up. And We're there for each other. We got to be. Nobody else is going to be. Nobody else is going to be there for me when my head's down. He is. <laughs> if you had your lives to live all over again, what would you have done differently? Nothing. Nothing. Not a damn thing. I don't regret it. I don't regret a thing. I would have probably got cleaner a little bit sooner, but otherwise, really, I can't even say that because I'm who I am right now because of everything. And if I wasn't who I am and she wasn't who she was, then maybe you wouldn't have approached us. So, yeah. Hey. <laughs> you have friends out here? Yeah. 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 Like real friends or just? I'd say probably two. Street acquaintances. I would say they're more acquaintances, but I mean, they've shown us a lot of love. A lot. Like a lot more than what most people that I've known for years and years and years have. There, there are some good hearted people out here. There really is. Yeah. Yeah, there it's, is. A... It's insanity. Like, I mean, we ran into them because of, you know, doing drugs. Yeah. But it yeah. turned into, I mean, like we still have like, you know, we still realize like the, the line between, you know, business and friendship, you know. Right. But um, definitely, they showed us a little bit more to like to their side. And, they were a lot warmer. Yeah. Than what, than what I expected, for sure. Yeah. How do you guys support yourself financially? How? Okay. So as much as I like want to sympathize with these people, like I, I think the really tough truth of this interview is that this is what people get degraded to like scammers. Like I think they're scamming just being on this interview. I'm sure they got paid um, and they're kind of sugarcoating things and they're, they're saying what they think they, they ought to say. Maybe I'm not being very um, generous or, or charitable with that take, but I, you, you see how people in China treat each other. And I didn't hit everything that I thought I might, but there's so many examples of people just fucking each other over. And all of it to me just seems, like I said, to be a side effect of like socialism, where the more the government promises to take care of everybody, the less anybody is actually taken care of. You know, the community, no. the community is broken. Which came first, though, the chicken or the egg? Because the government have made the people um, just, you know, the, the frog boiling slowly. The government have made people more and more reliant and the people have looked and looked more and more to the government for, you know, how come you don't fix this instead of people just going, oh, we'll do something ourselves. So I guess it's gotten up to that point where it's, yeah, chicken or egg situation, which I, I think personally I think is all by design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a reason why that stuff is coming over here um, as far as fentanyl um, being the replacement for heroin. And <clears throat> it comes from China, you know, that that's that's there's a little connection right there to that situation. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's coming in through Mexico, but it's legal. Uh, or it was at least I think it was uh, it was recently made illegal. But um, there was this whole oxy crisis, as you've probably heard about, 
and then people couldn't get their oxys anymore and then they they turned to street heroin then you know then now there's there's fentanyl coming over fentanyl is is made by a, a company it's a company called Teva Pharmaceuticals. They're the same company that makes Adderall, and they make a lot of these these training hormones. So, like this this company is a real problem. But you know, the United States still decides to uh, do business with them, and uh, their labs are in China. So, um, you know, in in Wuhan, for that matter, which is even crazier. Whenever you uh, whenever you think of the whole situation and how the last three years have played out and how much of the stuff hit the street while that was going on, whenever all, all of the despair that, that was spread from this situation. Um, I know that the junkies, they, they tend to chase a bigger high um, that they, they will, whenever one of their friends dies and it happens all the time that they will find out who the plug was that, that got them that because they want to get as close to death as possible. They're chasing, they're chasing that they're trying to, you know, um, there was a time with my ex when, um, she didn't call me for three days and I, I thought she had died and, uh, and no, she took a dose that, that should have killed her, but nearly, you know, just passed out, uh, arm fell asleep. And, you know, like cut off the circulation to her arm. Her arm was all black when she woke up, um, had to, uh, had to see if there was like any necrosis. It's, it's a terrible life. And yeah. And it, it's really hard to care about somebody that that's bent on self-destruction. Yeah. First, um, sorry, Mike, you go. Um, first time I ever came across it was when one of my, good friend's older brother was a um, smacky and um, it was just so sad to watch in within the household um, this really nice family you know nice family and the parents had to lock their door you know every even at night when they were sleeping um, because he was just constantly stealing and everything and even like you know I, one of my first jobs was working in an electronics store and um, he came in one day to, I didn't really, I wasn't really fully aware of it all at this time, but um, he came in to borrow $20 and I didn't sort of think connected to drugs. And, uh, yeah, okay, here you go, man. And um, then a few days later, he came into the shop and somehow, I don't know how, he got out the back and stole money from the safety deposit box in the office. And so I got drawn into all this and I had no idea what was going on. So yeah, I mean, you, even their parents, even your brothers, sisters, your lovers, whatever, you can't trust them at all it's it's not them there it's not them you muted mike thank you um i'm probably trying too hard to draw a theme here but like i do think there's something you said it stella where it's like this is a matter of lack of of purpose lack of um satisfaction and it's a shame like people people get duped into into thinking that something you know whether it be politics or fucking drugs like something is going to satisfy them and the more they do it the less they are satisfied i'm i'm just of the opinion that like 
whether it be socialism or fucking like smack it it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference people are just looking for for purpose and it's sad it's sad to see people self-destruct and see cultures self-destruct china china scares me because there's just so many of them and they got they got plenty of guns and i don't know i'm i'm being pretty pretty fucking incoherent here but like i i worry about what what the future holds if the chinese population all of a sudden is um is no longer subdued or or are talked into going to war same goes for us i don't know it's like we either fight ourselves or we have a an enemy to fight elsewhere that's part of what i think is happening like things are falling apart so they're gonna say all right nationalism or bust and that that kind of freaks me out yeah and i observe um where the vast majority of the populations in china gather um in these awful horrible concrete just they're just they look like ghettos they're just awful places um and I mean, China's a massively huge country, so there's just as much beautiful um, nature and everything out there as well in the rural areas, I guess. But most of the people are in the cities, and and they're just so disconnected from from nature. I mean, I don't remember really seeing that many areas with trees, or and that might be one or two stuck in just as a virtue signal for nature. But um, it's just so removed, and the people obviously are therefore removed from. I mean, it's a it's an issue of the heart, isn't it? It's a mindset, and it doesn't matter whether you're Chinese or Indian or Australian or whatever. Um, each individual has to be responsible for again where their treasures lie. Um, instead of just going along with the crowd and just going, "Oh, this is what's important. That's what's important," you know. Again, <laughs> Jesus said, "The kingdom of heaven is within," and that's that's very much, I think, up to you um, where you put your importance and your treasures. And yeah, that's what I feel about it. Like, uh, I, I think that, that that is the probably the only solution because we're looking at a situation where the government is designed to be anti-us and a nationalist government is designed to be pro the people. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it puts them ahead of everything. So, you know, it, it's probably not something that everybody needs to be terrified about. You know, it, it's it's had it's it's been photographed by history as as being such a terrible thing, but that's because the people controlling things are the opposite side: the socialists, the communists, and they want to promote their ideas even more. Socialism, communism has killed far more than nationalism ever has. Nationalism is is definitely more of an isolated kind of kind of situation where everything needs to profit the country itself so it puts us forward so you know maybe rethink that at some point you know i, I, I know well, it's, I it's a hard thing to break i feel like they're all forms of of collectivism though and like well yeah of course they are it's government right. i mean that's that's right. it, it has to be um if you know like ideally ideally there's all kinds of things and you know and that's the that's the problem with like libertarian anarchism is that it's just idealism because no nobody has seen it work in reality and 
you know, it, actually we have seen it work in reality and the reality of it working is small communities. Whenever you right. separate yourself from everything else and you don't have to rely on the outside, but are we in a culture that doesn't have to rely on the outside? Everything is, is interconnected and the, the global communism that, that we're fighting right now is a problem. And this is why they're, they're eliminating nationalist leaders. There's a reason why, why Trump and Putin and uh, Bolsonaro are all on the shit list of the, uh, of the globalists. Yeah, I mean, look at the Amish. They've coped quite well, being completely separate, but yet supportive within their own group. They're a perfect example of what's possible. Yeah, is is that anarchism or is that nationalism? I mean, in, in a way, I mean that you can't you can't go and and go against the grain in that culture. No, and I don't even think people have the capacity to go against the grain in that culture. They have they uh, have I, the option they have the option to leave, which mm. is what I think is admirable about how the Amish are structured. It's what keeps them from being a cult in my mind. Um, yep, you are free to leave at any point. In fact, you are encouraged to leave for your rumspringer mm. and and experience life outside of the Amish community. And if you don't want to come back, you don't have to. But there's a consequence. Like you, you will never be spoken to again. You are excommunicated. Um, and that's how they maintain social order too. Is they that's the that's the whole thing. If you if even if you don't want to leave say you break enough of the of the um, norms or codes or what have you they can excommunicate you um in essence it's 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 a culture where you are not forced to stay but you don't necessarily have the right not to get kicked out if you fuck well, up there's a globalist you know, globalist liberalism will never let you leave that that's the thing is that right. you're you're their commodity and they will you know they will make sure that you maintain yourself as their livestock while they you know while they molest people's kids and you know and fill the streets with drugs and and start you know crazy conflicts and you know the, the this is a a mess and i i think we're seeing globalist communism coming to fruition and uh, and it's obviously, you know, the cracks are showing. We're seeing seeing where it doesn't work. And I mean, it, if this money that we're dealing with right now uh, ever gets any truth behind it, man, this place is going to be a mess. I I tend to think though, like this is where I think maybe you and I differ right now, Ando. Um, whether it's authoritarian right or authoritarian left, to me, it makes no fucking difference. Whether it's communists or socialists or, you know, fascists, it's all the same. Like, I just don't, I don't see a whole lot of difference between Xi Jinping, whatever the fuck, and Hitler, you know? Well, I mean, look at Bolsonaro. Uh, he, you know, he's constantly being portrayed as far right. He's he's probably left of me in a lot of ways, um, but because he had nationalist tendencies and wanted to wanted to promote his people and his country, 
and, you know, and do things better on a global stage. He is a complete pariah and, uh, and is, and yeah, now they're being run by commies and they're going to be run into the ground. It happened in Venezuela, not too far from them. It's, it's going to happen in Colombia pretty soon. I mean, this, this is a plague of South America. You know, um, if you look back to Pinochet and uh, versus uh, versus um, uh, Allende back in back in the 70s um, that, you know, that there was this terrible socialist government and then they got a right wing dictator and became the best economy in South America. And, you know, and he he hung on to power until he died. He was not. He was no longer the leader after a while, but they made him a senator and he had he had troubles, I guess. So he had to spend out the rest of his days in Europe. That's but, Sal- Salvador Allende. Is that right? Uh, I forgot his name, his first name, but Allende, A-L-L-E-N-D-E was the uh, he was the doctor and he was a communist and um, he ruined that country and he was good friends with Fidel. And had, you know, this crazy vacation with, you know, Fidel hanging around all the time while the people are starving and Fidel's like living all nice and everything. Communism just, uh, it's obviously a problem. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, you know, we're not going to fix it. We're not going to solve it, but I don't know. I just think any collectivism is generally to be feared and, and avoided. Uh, Well, this is collectivism. We got a great collective of great people right now. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, the, the, there is, you know, an allergy to collectivism, but um, I mean, you're stuck in it regardless. And, uh, and you can't really, if you do everything by yourself, well, what are you even doing? It's voluntary right here. We're all volunteering well, our time. I'll put, it, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. Um, it, there's a big difference between a pack and a herd or you know there's a big difference between like insects and i don't know mammals on on a general sort of level but what what i think a lot of these collectivist movements that that organize people on mass it's it's insectification it's turning us into ants oh yeah yeah and i don't think that's what humans are naturally we get domesticated to that point. Well, in in a versus a nationalist system versus a communist system, the communist system definitely makes people into ants. The nationalist system, you just follow the rules and don't break them. If you know, and don't be on the bad side, the side that uh, that they are reacting to, because you know you can already see it coming up in in a lot of these situations. Um, you know, France, if I, I I really think it's hopeful to think that they would that they would become right wing after this. But if they do, you know, the, the shit list is going to be the uh, the Algerians. You know, if it happens in the United States, the shit list will be the people that are pushing all this gay shit right now. You know, uh, you just don't want to be in that in that side whenever this kind of thing happens, but this is all a natural flow of the dialectic because we always run in dialectics. It's either, you know, one extreme or another, because, you know, you, you can't seem to rid Hegelianism from politics. 
Oh, I don't know, man. That's it's a dark one. I feel like we need to wrap her up, though. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, we'll go around the circle real quick. Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast. Uh, I'll pass it on. OG, are you still with us? I am. I've uh, been listening to y'all go down the rabbit hole. OG Deadbot, OG Deadbot 1, or the uh, Whole Lot of Nothing podcast. I'm on YouTube, Spotify, and for some reason, Google has a podcast uh, thing, so I'm also on there. All right. Well, Stella's not there, I guess, but uh, I'm Ando, Burn Babylon Burn in the Doom Kitchen. Find it at libertylinks.io slash the Doom Kitchen or search Burn Babylon Burn in the catchers or email me because I say a lot of crazy stuff and I would love to talk to you. The Doom Kitchen at protonmail.com. And our friend Drew Misson was here and he has a podcast called You're Missing the Point. And you can find that on all the podcatchers. Stella? I think something's wrong with Stella's microphone. Well, Stella Q is a delightful Australian lady who is part of the Union of the Unknowns. And you can find Union of the Unknowns link tree at unionoftheunknowns.com. I see her messing with her mute button. Um, she might still be there, but she's struggling. You there, Stella? Last chance. <laughs> yep, you're out. You're out. Well, anyways, uh, this has been another WTF forum, and we will be back with more What the Fucks uh, in a week or so. We'll see. Talk to y'all soon. Oh, I should pull up the outro. <laughs> Whoops. Here we go. I do that a lot, too. I, I yeah. try to fade it up but you know a lot of times i'll start it too late yeah there we go (laughs) thanks for listening y'all have a good one we will talk to you soon if you would like to donate to the easy peasy podcast please go to easypeasy.ittybitty.tips. Thanks for listening.